Cheers. Damn you, old man. Wade, we 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 probably wax poetically about creativity and stuff like that, but we are going to talk about nerd shit. Let's do it. Let's talk about some nerd shit. Let's talk about House of Dragons because I know you watched that. I did. Did you read the books beforehand? So I've read all of George R. R. Martin's original, you know, the main Game of Thrones books that have come out. I'm I'm very steeped in that mythology. The Song of Ice and Fire, or whatever this book is out of Fire and Blood, or whatever the some combination, the Eagle and the Crack. I don't know he just jams <laughs> nouns together. The Eagle some, and the, the Eagle some, and the Crackhead. <laughs> some some shit's just the whatever it is, whatever that book is. No, I haven't read it. Um I went into this blind and <sighs> you're not gonna like my take. Oh no! Regardless of what your take is, I'm gonna like it. So I, let me I have well, it. I it's t- we're because it's it's not the show's fault; it's our fault for accepting the creation of this bullshit in the first place. <laughs> We've gone too goddamn far. We have we have crossed. Oh, we 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 don't need you to fill in every blank. Some things can be left to my imagination, just because. You give me a show that has the name Targaryen in it doesn't mean that we have to spiral off into the entire history of everything Targaryen and you're going to put it out at the same time as Lord of the Rings is coming out and at the same time as Open. There's so many goddamn shows. Which one of those elves is Anakin? I don't even know. It's so <laughs> overwhelmingly did you call the did you call him Anakin? <laughs> I, they're all there it's just you're just blonde, long-haired people. And I don't know who anybody is in which I have to watch my shows one at a time because they're just all the same actors in the same piece. It, who is the girl who plays Flag Smasher in in Cap in, in uh Captain Falcon in the winter fuck whatever there's so I, I don't even know the names anymore. The she <laughs> she the same girl who played, wasn't she in Solo as the bad guy, if I'm not mistaken? And now she's in, she's in Willow. It's, you gotta, you gotta give me some different faces. Everybody looks too alike and they're playing too art, art, is archetypical, archetypical, too type, what, you know the word I'm looking for. There's, they're just. Damn it, Wade. Kellyman. Yeah, so she was Will. She was a Willow Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, Solo. Uh, oh, she was in. Um, apparently she was in. A, they did a show of Les Mis. Really? Okay, that's that's going to bridge you. Okay, but she's in three <laughs> nerd properties in the last three years. It's there's some other people that that's happened to. Uh, Liam Neeson, maybe. Uh, I'm trying. Oh, uh, uh, Liam Neeson, Chris Ian, Evans, Ian McKellen, Chris Evans. Some of these people, you just. You gotta let them be one thing, man. I you you say that, and I'm glad you brought it up. I re- just finished writing an article on Jason Momoa after Aquaman, the next Aquaman. He's supposed to be transitioning to Lobo. Oh, that that is the first good casting that has ever happened 
in in DC history. I think that's the what. I see. Okay. I, see probably I not the, the only good one. Uh, there's a lot of Batman goodness, but the Jason <laughs> Momoa looks like Lobo. Jason yes. Momoa looks like he grew up trying to look like Lobo. Yes. He looks like he walked into the to get his hair cut and held up a comic book and said, make me look like this. Exactly. And all that was missing was mascara. And he's managed to put that on in his last seven rolls or so. So I don't know what else you want. He's got dreadlocks. He's got mascara. You hit him with a can of blue spray paint and you tell me that's not Lobo. It's 100 percent great. Now. I, and I also don't believe Lobo could act either. So I feel like this is a perfect. <laughs> so I think this is great. But the problem is, will DC Comics has done this weird thing recently where they have just decided, fuck it. I don't know who came in, but I feel like they came in and just sat everybody down and someone came in and it was one of those 12 board members at the desk and it was a podium there. Somebody walked in, took a sip of water, brought the microphone in and just said, fuck it. <laughs> and they just mm -hmm. started canceling shit. And it was like, well, we can cancel this and get money back in taxes and we can cancel this and we can stop doing this. And then it's like, I'm not going to begin to say that I understand the business aspect of it, but as a fan and as someone who creates, all I can say to myself is you're losing your fan base with all of this. And this change is just, and, and don't get me wrong. They're going to be the people like me who are still, I'm, I'm going to go see Lobo. Jason Momoa and Lobo, I'm going to go see it. That's just what it is. And there are certain actors, like if you put Chris Evans in anything, I'm going to go see it. You put, yeah. you put, but, but, but Hollywood's going to have to at some point recognize that, this drum has been beat to death. It is, I I have been so bored in the last year plus with everything that's come out. There have been some standouts. Really? With, there have been some standouts, but the 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 House of Dragons. If you look at it, it was the most derivative thing i'd have it was you're giving me backstory on characters right that are leading to a future i already know about which is not just an hbo problem that's a star wars problem that's a lot of things problems you're just plugging in holes to stories that i already know how they end which takes a lot of the tension off of it by the way if i know you know it andor is going to be fine that's that if, if I know he doesn't die for 12 episodes, you've taken some of the the what if away from me a little bit. It's I know where this is headed. I know what it's doing. You're literally just uncovering the last few parts of the puzzle and it's to no end. Uh, and House of Dragon, same thing. You're confusing everyone. Jo Why is anyone in that show named Joffrey? <laughs> Why, for the love of Christ, would you bring these names back that have nothing to do? They don't turn into future Joffrey. Nothing is is has anything to do with anything down the line. You're just doing it because because I, I don't even I can't even complete the sentence. It's That's literally funny. yes, literally just these things meant something to people, so we'll do it again. And you just can't photocopy that photocopy forever. 
and that's what did we see? What what happened in in House of Dragon that should have moved me? I I tried to watch it. I did. I finished it. I I the dragons were great. Uh, I enjoyed that part. I saw. If you don't see George R. R. Martin killing random people that you don't think should or would die, coming from a mile away, that kid on that dragon didn't have a chance when he left the fucking first castle. Oh yeah, he was. It, you just knew, and it's because we no longer tension is. If as a storyteller, your job is to create tension in places, and then break it in ways that are surprising. Right, it's it's supposed a tada moment should happen, and there are no tada moments when you know every beat, when you know that in every movie you're watching, seventy minutes in, something or someone is gonna die, without fail, give or take three to five minutes, someone is gonna die seventy to eighty minutes into your film, every single time, every time. It's the way these reveals happen are no longer satisfying. They're just, it, it's a repetitive, that's why you can't go back and really tell someone, if you ask them to tell you the plot to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they'd struggle a bit. They just would. It's a, and it wasn't a bad movie. It's all, checks all the boxes. I just use that as an example of, tell me what happened in that film. Or tell me what really happened in, in, in game in House of Thrones or what it's by the time you get to the end, you've just kind of seen this word salady visual uh, <laughs> buffet of stuff that feels kind of comfortable to you. And when you're done, you just go, Oh, well that 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 got me out of the last three hours of thinking. And I don't have to retain any of it. And I just, the more I see, the more I feel like I, I just, I'm craving something that I haven't seen before. So we're, uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit because this is, uh, this is actually a good segue to She-Hulk. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I appreciate about She-Hulk is that it was actually different. Yep. This wasn't, this wasn't the, they even went as far as to make fun of themselves when it's like, why are we doing another big CGI fight? This everyone, everyone's it, seen it a million times. We don't need to do this again. Let's let's have fun. And that's and that was one of the reasons why for me, She-Hulk, I thought was the most fun I've had in a Marvel movie, and excuse me, in a Marvel project all year. It was just fucking fun. It they they had semi they had some deep moments, but for the most part, I went in there for 20, 30 minutes and just smiled. Yeah. It was a I I, I realized a couple episodes in that it was it was very important that that they be in on their own joke. That was, you know, it's I, I had some friends message me or, or talk about it, you know, and they're like, it's just too woke and it's too this and that. And I'm like, if you were aware of how aware it is of itself right yeah. like it's these aren't actual woke but they're almost parodies of th these these moments that have happened in our culture that have taken proper you know cultural awareness and turned it into this silly uh kind of caricature of itself and i think you know with the boyfriend and the you know the the, the guy she was dating and him being overly like effeminate and nice and this and you know they were just or the the jockey kind of playing into those stereotypes 
in an aware way and not just a we're just going to punch on these people because that's the thing to do, right? Yeah. It's it's more of a we're going to have fun with this thing that everybody seems to be turning into a thing. And for me, once that once that self-awareness clicked in the show itself, I just kind of I leaned back into my seat and I thoroughly enjoyed the ride. And I just had to get out of my own head about it going, man, it's all right. it was so fun. So for me, the moment when I realized what they were doing was when she was training with Bruce and she stops like, oh, man, I said, ah, yes, yes, and it's cool if you're doing it. It's cool if you're in on the joke. It's incredibly grating if you're not, if you're if you're literally throwing punches at men with that barb, then it's not really a great show if you're. Don't Olivia Benson yourself. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is, because it's like, you can have a, this is one of the, and, and uh, we're both Deadpool fans. Of course. This is one of the reasons why I love Deadpool, because he can make a joke about something and still have a message behind it. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man has been doing this for seven, no, excuse me, 800 fucking issues. Mm-hmm. You can make a joke and it's still have a point things can be two things at the same time and that's what i think a lot of uh you know we forget about that a lot that you know it's i I make the joke on stage uh at one point about the the american flag and how colin kaepernick knelt for the flag and a bunch of people on the right lost their minds i can't believe you kneel for the flag the flag means freedom and it means only freedom and if you don't respect that get the fuck out that response and i make the argument that to, the flag can mean something different to different people to a to a 20 something year old football player that flag is being used as a totally different symbol than it is to a a war veteran who comes back from the war and who was wheeled underneath the one in Bagram and that was the last thing he saw before his life-saving surgery it that flag means something different to him to the little Chinese girl who made that flag. Yeah. I would argue that the flag means something entirely different to her. So, you know, it's it's all relative. It's for people to believe that you can't make art that says things while still being uh, artistic and fun and productive. You know, I just don't think you've tried making enough art. Yeah, or even it's totally doable. It's everything you like has buried meaning to it that you don't know or probably wouldn't approve of or, you know, artists are littering their works with Easter eggs like that. So, and this is one of the reasons I'm trying my best not to shit on certain people's art mm-hmm. because I've been, I've been to museums with people and they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, for me, it's just, it's not even necessarily what they did. Sometimes it's just the perfectionist who sat there and just there was this. I went. There's this um. This is a a museum in um, Massachusetts, and this this person did three different masks. It's the same face, but it's just done in different shapes. One of them is just it's um more triangular. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at this, I'm just like, oh my God, like the person had to sit there and just 
really carve or shape and mold these things into a certain way. And I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking beautiful. However, there are some times where you'll take the the Kanye West, for example. Say what you will about him. He's put some really good music out. The last two albums or three albums I thought have been absolutely garbage. And I have been vocal about how fucking horrible they are. And some people say, well, you just don't like him. Because I'm like, no, 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 no. I think it's a piece of shit. But his music has been absolutely fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> two things can be, like you said. Yeah. Two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon's <laughs> kind of a piece of shit. I love Astonishing X-Men. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love Firefly. <laughs> it's Bill Bill Cosby is still one of the top three comedians that's ever told jokes on this planet, but it doesn't excuse the behavior. But the exactly. the the art itself is is always some art in general can happen at any speed, right? There's the the slow, meticulous, perfectionist physical art that that you craft and create and make sure every piece is perfect. And then there's the fast, emotional, explosive art, right? Someone who flings paint on a canvas. And, you know, you can look at any of those things and not get them. Yes. Uh, it's the There's some combination of an emotion and a feeling inside of a person that's, that's made tangible and real in some way, in, in spoken word, in music, in, in, in sculptor, in paint, whatever that is. It's just some emotion that that person was like, I need to, I need to get this out of me in some way. And if you can't, you know, that's the magic of empathy and experience and all these other things is, you know, it's very hard to grasp the work of someone whose, whose footsteps you can't put yourselves into, right? Yes. If, you, if you haven't experienced Mexico, for instance, if you haven't been down to like actual, not just the, the coastal you know, Acapulco, that not the playa area, not not all that, but in Mexico, Mexico, or parts of Central America, and and spent time with those people. It's it's probably very difficult to understand the emotions put into certain wood cuttings or paintings or art that comes out of that region. And I would, you know, it's that way for every region. It's a you have to be able to kind of be willing to walk around to the artist's vantage point and sort of try to look at it from there if you want to experience what specifically the artist was trying to convey. If you just want to look at it and draw your own meaning, you can stand wherever the fuck you want to, and that's <laughs> equally as valid. You yeah. can just stand right here and go, that sucks, and you just walk over to the next painting, and no one gets their feelings hurt. You know what's funny? It's like, so I'm looking at, so like the, the people listening can't see, but you have um, Stormtrooper helmets creating this, podcast space or this creative space mm -hmm. so i can't wait to put to add that to it yeah man that's cool as shit so like but but that's but that's my thing like even like so you take the art in so some of the bounty hunters like you take the um the mandalorians mm -hmm. their their um helmets are similar but each one of them is different in such a way that it's really easy to appreciate. It's really difficult to not appreciate what the creative team behind the design did. Oh yeah. There's, there's so much subtlety to it. Even the, even the way if you take Bo-Katan or Sabine Wren's helmets, uh, that they've added just a little bit of feminine contour to it in a way that doesn't, it doesn't make it feminine, but it gives it a little bit sleeker, 
curvier of an edge that just kind of fits their personalities a little bit better. And it's just that kind of nuance and attention to detail is, is really cool, man. That's uh, I don't know who started. I don't know if that was Dave Filoni with, uh, uh, was is that who did Sabine? Anyway, the uh, it's good shit. So since we're on Star Wars, I admittedly have not watched anything new Star Wars in 2022. Ooh, I just this has been one of those years where, like, because I was out on surgery, my therapist was like, "Write like it's your job." So I spent most of this year doing a lot of writing, and unless it was something I had to cover, I haven't watched it. Now, the good thing about that is, it's like now I have three Star Wars episodes. Um, I got to catch up on Doom Patrol, and I have all this stuff that I need to watch that makes me so happy. So, we've had three Star Wars projects come out. I'm going to break them down. I want you, I'm going to name them, tell me what you thought about it. We're going to start with Andor. What were your thoughts? It's absolutely the best peak unnecessary storytelling <laughs> i've ever heard in my life it's <laughs> hold on hold on did you say the best unnecessary it's, <laughs> yes it's so maddening that this is great and totally pointless i i you i just what am i watching it's i don't understand why i need to you showed me everything andor in 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 rogue one i i saw it all I saw him die. I know also, how it the is. record, Rogue One, hands down to me, is the best thing that Star Wars has done in terms of like a movie or a show. The Since the original is... trilogy. Yes. I yes. it's it might be my fourth favorite Star Wars movie. Uh I it's it's remarkable. Um it was a war movie. It was dirty, it was gritty. There's everyone had this is what's cool about that movie. I think is in what made it so magnificent. There was, that was probably the first time that they'd really gone in to fill in a blank. That's where this started. And I think it's partially responsible for why so much of this fill in the blank stuff is happening now. But as a standalone movie to go, you know what we, we've given you, you know, the seventies, seventies and eighties trilogy that you love. Then we gave you that thing in the 90s and the early 2000s. That never happened. Um, it's, it, you know, right? So here's a palate cleanser. Here's a thing, you know, it's, it's, a, it's this, this dirty movie that you halfway through, at some point in the movie, everyone realizes that everyone's going to die. Yes. That's the, not just... Not just one or two people, not even the, you just, uh, even though you might have that thought, oh, well, this is stupid. I don't know any of these. You don't do the math because you look, what year did, what year did that come out? I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look. It was this, I think, I feel like it was the same year that Deadpool 1 came out. Okay. So back then we hadn't been overwhelmed with everything, right? We just, we were still open to magic and that film promised you magic and you didn't go good you didn't think to go google everybody oh well, i've never heard of these people they certainly aren't in the in the star wars i know that means this is before you didn't do any of that calculus you just went well i'm watching this movie and halfway in you went oh this is a snuff film <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just gonna watch them all okay and you know what's funny about that is it is the it's the contrast between 
Rogue One and House of the Dragon. Yes. Is, it's almost, you know what it is? And I liked House of the Dragon. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it's almost like listening to the way you're talking about it, it's, you hear different people's opinions of it. And I've heard people who hate it. I've heard people like it. I've heard people who are indifferent. But the one thing I've noticed just from where you're talking about Rogue One and House of the Dragons is Rogue One was, hey, let's make a movie and let's make people enjoy it. The people behind Game of Thrones and HBO Max have been like, hey, I have a fart. You want to smell it? Yeah, that's basically what's happening. That's basically, that's a wonderful metaphor. It's a, but again, it's, if you go back to, it's all, you got to look at the timeline of when these things came out because it's very important because our expectations change. It's, we're now so, and I, I just, I think some of it has to do with the fact that I ingest so much genre, uh, material. It's, if there's a show that's got anything from a wizard to a sword to a ninja to a drag. I'm just, you, you got me. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. So I've just started to see, you start to see the patterns. And then when you couple that with the fact that I also create things and I, I understand the way stories are told and I understand the way films are written and I understand the way character change, you know, changes occur. When you, when you know those things, and then you see it done because all this stuff has to come out so fast. You couldn't possibly do it without a formula. It's, it's very simple. You introduce and you, you look at every origin story. You look at all of these Marvel series that have come out. You look at the arcs of these things. It's, it's, tell me why so many Marvel heroes fight their evil twins. How yeah. many versions of that have you seen? Between Black Panther and Killmonger and Hulk and Abomination and how many, I mean, we could, we could, Doctor Strange and Dark Doctor Strange, we could do this until we're blue in the face. So here's a funny thing for you. J. Michael Straczynski wrote Amazing Spider-Man and he actually did a really good job of explaining it when he talked about heroes versus pretenders. And it was, and as you're saying it, it's kind of... I think because I've read that, I don't think it bothers me as much anymore. And I'm wondering whether or not Marvel said, hey, we need an explanation for this because it's becoming redundant. And so now this is like, again, you have uh, you have Darth Vader and um, I'm mad. I can't remember his name. I'm drawing a blank right now. Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan. I was, uh, an Obi-Wan. You have... Magneto and Charles Xavier. You have Wolverine and Sabretooth. You have Joker and Batman. Who need to fucking get it over with, by the way? But well, but but I don't mind. Here's the thing. I don't mind if you if you give if you take Joker and Batman, right? It's it's if you look at their relationship, go to the killing joke, which is probably the the perfect uh Joker story, if there's gonna be one. Uh but the that is the right you're showing me that these people even down to the the joker's monologue at the end when he goes we're both the you know different sides of the same coin you and me bats i'm just and it's it's really just how they're viewing the story batman's viewing it through the eyes of vengeance and the joker's Mm -hmm. viewing it through the eyes of a joke it's but they're they're very different characters because they're carrying 
different burdens. They're coming from different dark places. They're the same character having walked two different paths. And that's what's interesting to watch about them. But when I get into some of what Marvel's done, Ant-Man and uh, Yellow Jacket, you're not even giving me, if this was some beautiful you know, characters that were mirror images of each other ideologically that were actually, you know, both kind of good and both kind of bad. And we were watching some real struggle. I'd feel it. But you just, you went, oh, we're going to make a little guy in a metal suit. We're going to make him fight another little guy in a metal suit. And tell me Yellow Jacket's background. You don't know. I mean, you yeah, might, you but, might, but the no. But this is the this is the perfect analogy analogy that you were talking about, where you were saying, "Give me what this person is," like, and you know me, I'm engulfed in this stuff. I know this stuff, but like, it's and it takes me a while to think. Okay, this is what Yellow Jacket's deal was, but Ant Man wasn't. Ant Man, perfect example. The first time I saw Dark Knight Rises, I didn't necessarily love it. Okay. Buddy of mine said to me, you didn't really like it? I said, not really. And he goes, you know why you didn't like it? I go, why? He goes, because Batman was not needed in that movie. <laughs> Fair. And I, and, I, and I thought about it. He goes, that movie should have been called Gotham Rises. He goes, you did not need Batman in that movie at all. And it would have been it would have been exactly the same. So you have these things and you have these, you have these shows and all this stuff. And it's almost like they're, like you said, they're pumping them out and they're pumping out because of blah, but blah being a, but but when they, but when they, but when they stop and do it right, it's the, my, my only critique of the original black Panther is the Killmonger costume. The fact that they put him in the mirror, you know, just another suit and let him fight. So it was some CGI, who knows who's fighting who. Eventually one of them kills one of them. Which was one of the... (laughs) But Killmonger as a character, Killmonger as a character was so brilliantly written and acted and directed. That scene when he poisons the museum lady and the, the aloofness with which he steals that, and, you know, it's it's punctuated with Andy Serkis, who is just absolutely brilliant in everything he yes. touches, including yes. Andor. Uh, but the the character of Killmonger was exactly that Batman Joker beauty in that that's literally T'Challa, but walking a different path. So <laughs> you you get the same guy having gone two different directions, and that makes for great conflict. And- that's... And I said to someone, I said, the only difference between Loki and Killmonger is where they went after they were born. There's <laughs> no difference because it's it's the same thing. Like same story. A- same story. Exactly. It's the Loki, it's the Loki Thor story, which is a tale as old as time. The the Loki Thor tale is literally pour, pulled from actual mythology. Thousand, I mean, that is an that is just a you know, it's one of the old stories, the the ostracized brother, you know, the outcast, this or that, the exiled, this or that, and the the path they walk and then the, the inevitable conflict between them and the perceived good who's had the wonderful childhood and the upbringing and the training and the, you know, we're all heroes or villains in our own stories. So you recommend Andor. What were your thoughts on Obi-Wan Kenobi? So Obi-Wan is kind of the same thing. It's the, I, I didn't know why I was watching it. 
yet it was one of the most beautiful things I've seen on TV in ages. It just, they spent a ton of money creating a, a stunning, you know, uh, Star Wars world. And you can't, Ewan McGregor is just fantastic. The older he gets, the more, uh, the better impression he does of Sir Alec Guinness. Uh, he's, you know, 10 years from now, he could literally, they could just reboot Star Wars. Why? And I wouldn't be surprised if they did that anyway. If we just got episode four from the beginning. It's the, so it's just unnecessary. Why am I watching <laughs> this? I know what happens. You're not, you're, you're the, to me, one of the greatest, most powerful moments at all, if there was anything to be salvaged from that that prequel trilogy, was the, I have the high ground Anakin, and okay. watching... I, that was the best acting I have ever seen in a Star mm -hmm. Wars project. The mm -hmm. way he just... Yes. You were the chosen one. Like I, I yes. felt every bit of emotion Ewan McGregor had in there. Because yes. It, and it was... In so ask yourself why in the name of God would you <laughs> want anything else past that? What could you possibly want? What dessert could satisfy you more than the steak that was that scene? The well-done steak, sizzling on magma steak that was that scene. You know, you know how you you know how you do it? You throw a piece of bacon on top of that steak. <laughs> and then you, you go you wrap that bitch in bacon and then you have the uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> you go tell other stories. You cannot yeah. convince me that the rich, rich world of Star Wars Dr. doesn't Affleck. have yes. Dr. Yes, Affleck got... is the greatest character that we have not seen in fictional media in the Do So that the, the Doc Afro books, the uh even to go back into the the old mythos of the you know the acolytes and the the history of the Sith and Darth Reaven and some of the you just have so many untapped minds and no one trusts the stories to 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 do well. They go, we just got to cram more Skywalker shit down your throat, and I don't need to see Luke and Leia as kids as can kids, we, Mark, can we, can kids. We, can we can we be honest about things? Luke Skywalker's a cuck, right? It's so. <laughs> I look. I like. I'm a. I'm a Luke Skywalker fan, but I'm just like anything else. I too much of it. I saw all the Skywalker I needed to see in episodes four through six. I didn't need to see any more. Nothing. I didn't need the prequels. That's really where this fill in the blank shit started. I mean, we can blame so much on the two thousands. It's not even funny. But the 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 need to not for for the studios to be so afraid to veer away from what's made them money, and I understand it's a business, but you have to have creators in there who who and you know I guess you can't tell them you can't tell a Star Wars story unless you're telling it under the you know the Disney masthead. So maybe they just got to play by the rules. But it it really does suck to think that the best Star Wars story content I'm getting right now comes from video games. You, we talked about this on the last episode when we discussed the Guardians of the Galaxy video game and how that was probably the best story told, excuse me, the best comic book story told 
in a video game. And that's saying a lot considering the Arkham series. But the Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy series, I was the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. I wasn't even gonna buy it because it was just Star Lord. I was like, I don't want to play a Star Lord. I want to use Groot. I want to use Drax. But you play this game, and a buddy of mine was like, "It's like playing a movie." Yeah, game, and I loved it. No, and a good, a good movie too, and not just a paint by numbers movie. Where I, while I love the Arkham stuff, I feel like sometimes there's a bit of just a linear. Okay, how are we gonna get you to fight Poison Ivy? How are we gonna get you to fight the Joker? How are we gonna get you to fight the Penguin? Because even even Gotham Knights, or it's sort of the same. Be- it's be- like beautiful and awesome, but just okay. I'm gonna beat for beat, go fight these people, and there will be a little bit of a story, but nothing so epically comic booky. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm logging in to play a a, a Batman video game, and they're giving me Court of Owls out so, of nowhere, right? So I got one for you. This was something that I noticed. A couple of hours into the game, after I played all four characters in Gotham Knights, do you know what Gotham Knights is? Uh, it's Spider Man. Oh no, it's the Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you literally. And you I was like, nerdy, it was so yeah. bad. It was like I was like, it's so bad that you made Red Hood Raphael. Yeah, I was like, like Red Hood is not a brute. He's it's a almost. Sick. It's almost. So I'm not. I, I tend to read modern Batman, and by modern Batman, I mean any Batman in the last 10 years or so. That's, uh, that's where I'm at with it as well. By, by artists I'm into, you know, Jim Lee touches it, I'm there, uh, that kind of stuff. But also I'll pick up, you know, a lot of uh, the graphic novels. I think I read, uh, was it uh, was it just called Gotham? Uh, there was one with these two it, really good stories that you know they 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 probably cover i'm imagining 6 to 12 issues and they might be arcs in actual batman they might be one offs i don't pay enough attention to the the property but i really do enjoy when Cap- greg capullo took on court of owls and oh that it, just one of the most but but to create new I, new properties and new ideas and it sucks to create new stuff when dc's going to own it but every now and again you, you just unass a decent idea so that the kids reading the book have something fun to play with that isn't one of six villains we just keep fighting. But the problem, oh God, and, and I, I hate to be this guy, but do you know what a lot of the problem is? People don't want new. They, of course they, they don't. They don't but want they, they don't They don't want new, Mark, but they also, do you remember when Bane was introduced? Do you remember when Venom was introduced? These things that we now call the, the the nostalgic stuff. Well, you can't do a Batman movie without Bane. I remember when he came, when Kelly Jones was drawn and breaking in the back, and the, you know, those were that we all went. Well, that's stupid. He looks like a wrestler, and it was, you know, there was of course the nobody wants new, but then you figure out new. You take Venom, yes. which was what what they had, and you turn it into something. And you take Deadpool, which when he was introduced, he was Slade. New, he was a he was a parody of Slade Wilson. Despite Rob Liefeld's arguments to the contrary, it's impossible to say that he wasn't a complete ripoff of Deathstroke at the time. It, it, but still, they've managed to turn that into this remarkable character who was just a new, annoying, more popular than the copy. Yes. Than, than the, than the copy. What yes. was it you said earlier? You can't copy a copy. 
sometimes yeah, you, sometimes you can you but, but it, only so far and that's yeah. my point is that it, how many times have you seen deadpool try to be ripped off in these little never there for long incarnations you can't take you can't do and that's that's any artistic challenge right there's you got to do something new because you're never going to do it as well as the person you can't do you know gruff and brooding as well as batman there's never going to be another batman it's it's why they had to change daredevil yes that's my point you try to photocopy it it works once maybe twice but past that You've got to do something a little different or people are going to give up on you. And that's that's where I am with almost every major property right now is if you don't trick me soon, you're going to lose me. All right. So the last Star Wars we have, we have Tales of the Jedi. I haven't watched it. Okay. So I didn't even know this was a thing until I was Googling, <laughs> until I was Googling what Star Wars projects came out. It's where I drew the – it's where I went, this is too much. I went, this is, I'm not even going to, I have, and I'm, I could be wrong. And I, if so, if I'm wrong, someone let me know. But my guess is that it's not going to be new Jedi. We get to explore. This is going to tell me bullshit about Ahsoka or something about character, something leading up Ezra bridge. It's going to be all these little sidebars so that they can get back into filling in their blanks that I'm just bored with buddy. I you can't have Vader. Vader has lost his allure to me. Him walking across the screen no longer means anything to me, and that breaks my heart more than anything else on this planet. So a transition to Marvel. Who wins in a fight? Jean Grey without the Phoenix or Darth Vader? <laughs> Vader all the way. You're going Vader. Okay, you're the first person to say Vader. So I'm, because I'm... because the Force is you. Come on, man. Phoenix Power, we've seen everything Phoenix Power could do. But the Force... Oh, no, still... without the Phoenix Power. Just, we're just talking... Just her and her mental shit? That's, is... you just, so, so basically, it's, you got to break this down, right? She's got no Phoenix Power. That means he has no need for the lightsaber or anything else. This is just but... these two in a staring contest. <laughs> That's all this is. It's Jean Grey and Vader in a staring contest. They both got the... They both got the, yes. their version of telekinesis, too. Yes. So you know what I mean, I, and and I just I just think go on Vader. I just think because I gotta, I just I, gotta. I got you. I don't have a Jean Grey helmet on my shelf. <laughs> if you had a Jean Grey shelf uh, helmet, on your shelf, <laughs> you have a severed head on your shelf. <laughs> and I don't want to know what redhead in Houston is missing. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um. All right. So. Uh, we're getting to, getting some Marvel stuff. We talked about new characters, and, or not necessarily new characters, but characters that haven't got a gotten a platform. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch played Doctor Strange. It was probably the best Marvel Comics origin story next to Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. I'm just talking Marvel Cinematic Universe. Totally fair. Well, Iron, Iron Man, Iron Man is automatic. You know, nobody's nobody's yes. gonna fight you on that. The Doctor Strange one was was really cool to me because normally uh, Marvel likes to end their movies with a whole bunch of monsters coming out of a portal. Mm-hmm. In that movie, they really switched it up on you, and it's a whole bunch of monsters going into a portal at the yeah. end. It's very they. And it's, it's Doctor Strange going out of a portal a bunch of times, saying he wants to make a deal. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, but it was, the first one was fantastic. The second one felt, now I watched the second one. I was with my buddy Chase. We were in Poland uh, and I went and watched it in a Polish movie theater. So it had Polish subtitles, but was in English. So um, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It had Sam Raimi all over it. It was, you know, it was, it had a little, all those nice little tricky horror shots Raimi likes to use. It was beautifully directed. The the overwhelming amount of CGI and green screen and those stupid broadcast quality cameras they're shooting with now that don't tend to give you any soft focus. I could knock the production side of it all day long. Uh, I thought um, uh, it was, is her name America Jones? Uh, Whatever the character's name. America Chavez. Chavez. Uh, she who's America Jones and that's an actress America Chavez I thought she was a very welcome refreshing uh character I dug her I wasn't expecting her to be in it uh I didn't think she was necessary by a long shot I thought it did feel kind of forced in but once I settled into the fact that she was in it I thought she was very enjoyable and it was really well acted um before I make a statement have you seen Black Panther the newest yes one? absolutely right. so I look at America Chavez the way they threw Re- Ironheart. Re- yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, Ex- except uh, it's a little more egregious in Wakanda because not only is she unnecessary, not only does she kind of interrupt the flow of the plot a little bit in some hmm. places, uh, but but it's just a gratuitous character launch for a TV series. And um, the dude from um, Honest Trailers calls Marvel. Uh, a billion dollar commercial. Yes, that's essentially an ongoing infomercial is is all that it tends to be. And that's where I got and that's where I get most angry as a as as is that you I'll forgive you of a great many things if you don't sacrifice the story to do it. And I I, I don't I, I don't think that it sacrificed the story at all, but it just didn't if you look at Wakanda Forever, yes. the the brilliance with which uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm gonna uh, was it Tenoch uh, Huerta? Is that his last name? Um, um, who Namor. played? Who, I'm just gonna call him Namor. For, for the record, everyone, it's Namor. It's, <laughs> I, I refuse to call him Namor because the when I heard him call it saying Namor, just like my former like I used to be able to speak French really well, and then I just stopped for years and i lost it but when i heard not more i'm like no love that doesn't make any like what the fuck are they talking about but then they broke it down i'm like fucking ryan coogler man you really are- really really man incredibly done and i feel like i feel like he had this brilliant movie written and then they said oh hey can you make sure you put iron heart in there and yes. that's that's my qualm with it not that not that I mean, she was so well acted, and that character was so good. And you needed a MacGuffin, you needed a thing to a journey to send you know what, though? them on. But Did you need, and this was my thing about it though. Did you need her? Because not the, her. You needed something for a for for. Uh, you needed a couple of. You needed a situation to happen to catalyze everything, which was her losing. Um, uh, why am I drawing uh, Suri? Suri, the for her to get captured, and for uh, uh, the the Dora Milaje to come back and have have Angela Bassett shun. You needed all of that to happen, so yeah. that journey had to happen. But it didn't need to introduce an entirely different character because that character was distracting from the journey that they were on. 
So that, and that's my biggest point. That was my biggest thing about that. And that's the way I looked at America Chavez. I have a different beef with America Chavez because the America Chavez in a comic book, and I try my best not to be this guy because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not the it's Marvel. It's not. It's, it's not. not. I had to let that go. So much so that I have to remind people that like the Marvel Comics Universe is completely separate from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They don't even exist on the same no. universal thing. And so the, the, the America Chavez in the comic books is this badass, super confident, you can, she literally, someone was talking to her about the laws of physics and how her powers work. And she said, the laws of physics can kiss my ass and then did everything that she wasn't supposed to do. And oh, wow. I was waiting for that from the America Chavez. Yeah, and, that'll let you down. That's, uh, that, that's, that was my own fault. Yes. Yeah, well, I had high expectations from Shatterstar, so suck it. <laughs> you know what? You, you, you I, I have no argument to that. But can we both admit that that was by far the most shocking thing we've ever, one of the most shocking things I've ever seen? It's what makes, it's what made it wonderful. Is it's one of the few things they've done that surprised me. I just, I, I, I go in as blind as I can. I watch one trailer because you can't avoid them, but I don't read anything. I do no spoilers. I completely go in willing to watch something beginning to end and let you show me what you wanted to make. I, I do that every time. And when something spins my head like that, I just, you know, standing ovation, man. They're rare. They're rare. Shatterstar from Mojo World. Like, how do you not know who I'm like? Shut the fuck up. Fuck you. But then I'm like, okay, yeah, you guys did something. Anyway, so one to ten, what do you give Doctor Strange? So uh, I'm going to put a caveat to our one to tens. We're going to take sevens off the table because that makes us indecisive people. And I don't want to give you sevens across the board. This is probably going to be a lot of six and eights here. But but Doctor Strange 2 is only going to get a six from me. Okay. I... I'm going to give it an eight. The reason I'm giving it an eight is because there were parts of the movie that just absolutely stunned me. And one part in particular was um, Sorcerer Supreme, Dr. Strange versus the, um, the MCU, Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. That battle of music they had was one of the most creative things Marvel has ever done. I enjoy- So that was, I was going to say there were some standout moments that was creative. Uh, I was also look. You you gave me. <sighs> you know what? I I got a I got a great way to put it. Doctor Strange was the epitome of water cooler moments. Yeah. Well. So so the when you take into account all of the the gratuitous cameos, I I may cheat back over to the eight side. It's a I forget how absolutely rewarding that really was. That's the and best I way to just, put it. It was rewarding. That's what it was. Right, wrong, whatever. Uh, we could debate that all day long. It's going to be very, very difficult for me to sit here with a straight face and tell you I didn't enjoy every fucking second of that scene. Period. Dude, what mouth was... I, <laughs> when she said... I was, when she went, what mouth? And then I looked up. I went... You ever have one of those moments where you're watching a movie with somebody and you just lean back into your seat and you throw your hand on them? Like... Yeah. That was one of those moments where I was like, that had to have been by far the Marvel Comics moment of the year. 
Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, so, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go eight there. Uh, so next up, we have Moon Knight. Before we get into Moon Knight, what do you give it? <sighs> the show or Oscar Isaac? Because the show's <laughs> going to get about a four from me, and I'm going to nine or ten Oscar Isaac. Well, Oscar Isaac is Oscar Isaac. He's going to be a nine or a ten regardless of what you do. But the but no, but the the splitting, the, the playing the multiple characters, the the drop being uh, going from this to that, and Mark Spector here, and the and on the drop at the drop of a hat, and that's accent work too, and he just overwhelmingly. Oh my God! And not even just accents. My wife pointed out speech pattern. Yes, yes, it's a it's a. Total body posture. I mean, everything about his character changed, and that's difficult to do. So I'm, hey, hats off, man. That was fun to watch. I love Moon Knight. I think he's a wonderful uh, aesthetically. He's cool. The cape, the hood. It's Egyptian and mythology. This checks every single box on my list, and still managed to just land a big fat four. I feel that story wise. I will probably never go back to Moon Knight. I'll watch Moon Knight like I watch Dark Knight. I will watch it for the Joker moments. Uh, I thought Joke. I thought Dark Knight was one of the most overrated movies in history, but it had the best villain of all time. Totally fair. Now, Moon Knight had a lot of amazing peaches. Conchu, dear God. I, I laughed. I there was that was those were some of my probably favorite laugh out loud moments of this year came in that show. Yeah, and um, Tawa, I can never remember the um Egyptian um uh, god who um who cat who um took the um the dead spirits over to the afterlife. Chiron. No, that's uh that's Tawa uh, Ret. I can't remember her name, but mm. she was fantastic. There was a lot. The parts of this movie are the harrow. Layla El Faru, um, Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, all the pieces of the movie, excuse me, the show were mm-hmm. good. But to your point, whenever they did that, 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 that flickering thing, it's just chaos, man. It's it, a, it's it chaos. And what made it even worse was, and in, in, in I will self promote, I wrote an article about how this would have been a much better uncharted esque video game than it would have been because <laughs> like, everything about that i'm like i just feel like moon knight should be climbing something right now it's it it felt look it felt like assassin's creed half the time and i i dig it it just it was it was cool it was pretty i liked the i like the desert aesthetic i like the mythology i like i like so much of it i just don't it just doesn't come to it wasn't plated properly yeah uh, you know what? Because <laughs> because I you I know you probably have thoughts on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to the next one. Your thoughts on Thor: Love and Thunder? Now I have I have two ratings for this. Okay. Entertainment value. I'm giving it a ten. Just okay. pure entertainment. I'm giving it a ten. As a movie, I'm probably gonna give it a five. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm. I gotta go. I got to go fives. Uh, it's a five. I was. <sighs> Did you read? And so, the reason I bring so, it up- so let me. Yes. So let me. That's why I'm moderately furious. The moderately so, furious. You're okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah I, I, I want to flip on, my house on. upside down. Before, the, you get, before you get into this, when you told me you were reading the Jason Aaron. Yes. Oh, God of Thunder. Yes. 
I said to myself, I can't wait to talk to you about this because there are certain writers in comic books who can really break down a character. Jason Aaron took Thor, and I have never seen someone really dismantle the I... god of gods. There's not a god in any comic book genre, in any mythos that's as good as Thor Odinson in Marvel Comics. He literally, his father prayed to him. Odin, the old father. Zeus, if he was alive, probably would have prayed to him too. And Jason Aaron made it so that he was by far the greatest god of all time. What the storytelling, <laughs> for, for anyone who's not read, I guess it's a 25-issue run uh, of Thor's, uh, it's Thor, God of Thunder, and it it takes you through. So you it begins. You're introduced to Gore, the God Butcher, who is one of the darkest, most twisted villains, and that was a fresh new character in the in in the Marvel universe. There was no there was no him before that. They just created him, and to to give him the motivation they gave him to draw out this this epic battle over three eras he fights young thor he fights today's thor he's fighting old king thor this happens and, and gods are slain it is one of the most and the god bomb that they build oh my god it is this epic story that was reduced to to 25 minutes of screen time maybe i it wasn't even worth my time and it was it was this terrifying new thing that was and Christian Bale was so good you don't even notice the thing on his eye in the movie. That's the the Christian Bale's eye knot, his eye booger. You know the thing he's got right there on his nose. <laughs> yeah. You don't even see it. He's that good as Gore, but they don't give Gore enough, and they spend a lot of time with Jane that doesn't really pay off. The goats were fine. The kids, the there were some good moments. I remember having some giggly times, but it was like this pale recreation of Ragnarok where I was like, look, Takiti with Titi, whatever, just <laughs> could you just do something different? Make a new film, make a good new film. I know you can do it. You know why Ragnarok worked? Because it wasn't him remaking what we did in the shadows or what we do in the shadows. Mm -hmm. It was an actual, hey, I have an idea of how to make a great Thor movie. The same way Coogler had a great idea of how to make a Black Panther movie. The difference is that on their sophomore efforts with those properties, Coogler knocked it out of the park despite being force-fed uh, Ironheart and having to squeeze some additional elements into it. He still yeah, did a the After having to rewrite this, I mean, after everything that hit him, he still pulled off what I think is probably the best Marvel film that's come out in ages. And then you look at what happened on the other side with Love and Thunder, and it's just like a, a, a 90s parody music video of what was so magical about Ragnarok and the comedy felt forced and the, 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 when he did the splits, I, I just almost turned it off then. It was, I am a Chris Hemsworth Thor fan. The first <laughs> movie was very mediocre. The second movie was, I honestly think, was not good. Ragnarok was probably one of their best five or ten. But you know why Ragnarok was good? Because Thor got good in all those movies between Dark World and Ragnarok. 
He had yeah. Avengers properties. He had Endgame. He had opportunities to shine, and they figured the character out. And the problem with that is, it's like Chris Hemsworth is like, people forget that acting is a job. Chris Hemsworth was given a job. You mm-hmm. give him a job, he's going to do the job. And he played the Thor character in Thor Love and Thunder as good as he can do. There are certain moments in there where I'm looking at this and I'm like, his facial expressions are fantastic. Was there any moment in Thor Love and Thunder, and I watched it stoned, as Ralphie May would say, like a biblical whore. That was not, it was, it was so unenjoyable to me. And, and my memory of it, was, was there a moment where he was ever actually serious? Did he, Because um, I feel like the problem is Takiti Watiti leaned into the humorous part of Thor that they found, that bubbled up, that Hemsworth started to show in Avengers and he started to show in Endgame and Infinity. You started to see this really funny guy. And instead of looking at that like jalapenos and going, wow, we should sprinkle some of that in this new Thor movie. They Just went, everybody loves jalapenos. Here's a jalapeno milkshake. And we went, wow. But that's not what we said. That's, we just said, we like it when he's funny. Not, we only like it when he's funny. It's just, and that's, I feel like that's the, the problem with all of these things we've been talking about. I got, they, a, I got a, another good analogy for you. Ragnarok with Jim Gaffigan in Love and Thunder is Carrot Top. So this is the way, this is, this is, this is, this is uh, hear me out. Jim Gaffigan has a, and you, and you're, you're a, you're a, um, you're a, a you're in a studious comedian. You, you study the, the, I hate to say this, the craft in which you work. Right, which is why I, I only want to interrupt this to say that as a student of the craft, as good as Gavin is, I still don't like him, and Carrot Top is better than he gets credit for. So if I had to go watch one of the two of them live tomorrow, I would actually go watch Carrot Top. But hear me out. But hear me out. So, and this is just me going on the base of this. Okay. You hear, you hear Jim Gaffigan, and it's very subtle. It's subtle. You'll get the jokes. It's coming to you. It's hitting you. Carrot Top is, hey, eraser head, prop, eraser, go. Yes. Love and Thunder gave you two hours of that. It wasn't necessarily needed. The best critique I heard of it was Love and Thunder is Marvel's Batman and Robin. I love. It's almost Marvel's Three Stooges. It was like. It really is. And I love Batman and Robin. Batman, I will watch Batman and Robin a couple times a year, and I will laugh hysterically every time I watch it. I, I, there were no Thor nipples. I can, I can there, at least there was, give there you there that. Was, there, were, there were Thor nipples when the flip happened. But, but not know, on the costume. Well, there's that. True. But here's the funny thing. But there was that random costume change that wasn't needed. Now, you asked if there was a serious moment in Thor Love of Thunder. There was. However... Because there was so much nonsense that went on throughout Love and Thunder, it was missed. And that's very disappointing because it was a really important part of the movie. At the end, when Thor is having a conversation with Gore and he's explaining to him why he does what he does and Jane Foster's dying, it was 
one of the best moments Chris Hemsworth did as Thor. But it was But it doesn't missed. fit. It doesn't fit. Exactly. So people like I remember watching this going, wow, this is such a great moment. And it's completely forgotten until you have to go back and think about. There's it's a fun movie, it's an entertaining movie, but is it a good movie? No. Well, it's it's also it's I'm I'm a little bummed by it because of the source material, which is also Jason Aaron penned. And that's from that same run. And there was, I believe, most of what they've been pulling from. Did they remind me in Dark World? Because I can't for the life of me recall that shit show. Uh, it was mm-hmm. the Dark Elves, but did they, was it Malekith or did they yep. go a different? Okay, so. It was Malekith, but Malekith was actually awful as well. So, right. So they've taken the entirety of what they've done with Thor thus far from that 25 issue arc. So, Gore the God Butcher. The death of uh, Jane Foster uh, or her cancer, and then also that stretch with Malekith because that was all in Jason Aaron's run as well. So the dark, the um, I can't remember if Dark World was going on when Malekith was going on, but I know that what they did with Malekith was awful because it wasn't it. Just because the movie is called Dark World doesn't necessarily mean that you need to make it dark like you know what I mean? yeah you could turn some lights on uh game of thrones could do that too by the way that uh <laughs> i watched one of those episodes i thought my tv had gone out that was oh yeah, so, it, it, me and my wife could look at each other like is it is it us i'm like do we need to cut like is it the glare well, TV? like you, it was it was no poorly done. <laughs> very poorly done but you got to look at the product the, the reasons you would do something like that and the amount of mistakes and rush cgi and things you don't have to clean up if you just turn the lights off and identify people by their silhouettes it's a it's remarkable (laughs) what they don't have to animate uh speaking of dark the batman yeah i Uh, expected to hate it this is gonna be high praise i give it a nine i do too um it's a it's a strong nine for me it's long uh, in ways it doesn't necessarily need to be, but it is finally, finally a real detective movie. Yeah, it's a detective story. It's yes. what it should be. They reimagined the Riddler in a way that I I wouldn't have seen coming. It was very kind of uh, a little you know sevenish, a little eight yes. millimeter, a yes. little creepy in that regard, which isn't always my aesthetic. But on the same note, you can't always have Frank Gorshin in tights, so it's you know. You're, you're free to reimagine some villains. And I thought Robert Pattinson, look, he here's all you, Robert Pattinson had the jaw to be Batman. I don't know why there is this crazy uproar every, this guy can't be Batman, this guy can't be Batman. Batman requires nothing. Batman requires a jawline and the ability to talk like this. That's yeah. all you gotta do is growl. Just make sure whatever you say comes out like this. That's all that really matters. And, and people forget that like it's Bruce Wayne is the person who really has to act. Yes, and Robert Pattinson looks like Bruce Wayne is a white dude with a chiseled jaw and a wisp of hair coming down. You know, it's a I've seen him drawn by by the best. Uh, the Pattinson was fine. What was the? There was a movie he was in with Denzel Washington's kid, Tenet. Did you? When I saw Tenet, I said, oh, Robert Pattinson is going to make a great Bruce Wayne because he's Bruce Wayne in this. <clears throat> he really was in that film. Uh, did you Did you watch it? Yeah. 
That's a. Uh, do you know the story behind Tenet? Uh, I do not. So okay, this is. Uh, I'll likely butcher this. This isn't prepared, but um, so Christopher Nolan is one of the most inspiring creators in the world to me because of the ways he finds inspiration. For instance, um, right now he's writing a film about Oppenheimer, which is you know he does these historical pieces he did with Dunkirk. And some others he's a remarkable storyteller but he also enjoys the fantastic because he's done things like batman and interstellar and and uh, inception so tenet if you google it there's a thing called a sator square okay s-a-t-o-r and it's an ancient roman puzzle basically it's a five by five square and it's made up of words and if you read them across each direction it'll read the same it's like an acrostic right so it'll so that one for instance says sator at the top and then it's followed i believe by uh arepo and then tenant and then opera and then rotus those you are the it, words you got, you got it all right okay so <laughs> So the uh, if you if you follow those the grid it reads the same way down it reads the same way across it reads yep. the same way diagonally it's so it's a wonderfully beautiful word puzzle. Huh. So all five of those that is the Sator square on which he based the movie Tenet. Now, uh, if you if you watch Tenet, you'll notice that uh, there is a character. Now the, this I will mess up. There's either a character or a location or something that follows all five of those words, a character named Sator, a company named Arepo, uh, Tenet is obviously the name of the film, but then um, what Rotus, I think, is another something that's involved in the in an opera. There's a big scene that takes place at the opera. So he manages to incorporate all five of those words into the film. And then in the ultimate fuck you, I'm the greatest filmmaker ever, the <laughs> film plays forward to backward and then inverts itself so you watch it from one way all the way backward to the center and then from the center out or vice versa just like an actual sator square which is just one of the most incredibly uh accomplished undertakings in film to me i think it's brilliant because no one even knows about it i don't think i i damn sure didn't let me tell you so i saw tenet in a uh one of my uh one of my friends just greg he was like, I had to watch it a couple of times. And he goes, how did you get in the first time? I'm like, because I read a lot of comic books with a lot of fucking time travel. And so for me, it was easier. It was easy for me to understand that. But like now, he, I, I absolutely love Tenet. I loved it. And I expected to hate it because I, I thought I, I thought Inception was overrated. Sue me. But like Tenet, for some reason or another. Well in inception is i to say inception is overrated i don't i i don't think is i i disagree with that i think it's an incredible like it's some of the stuff he he chooses to do is so ambitious that just the the simple having done it becomes the amazing part and then the fact that they're good films after that you're just like oh holy shit that's that's really good icing on a, an amazing cake but but also you can go back. There's a there's an anime called Paprika that if you go back, it's just it's a, probably a ninety minute film. It's from I, if I'm not mistaken, the studio that became Studio Ghibli. Um, but the film is basically Inception in a lot of ways. Uh, it it goes down a series of dream paths and you know you this this main character and there's kind of you know the 
this thing that's through all the different the through line through them it's a really good watch i think it's on amazon maybe it might cost you three bucks but uh if you watch that and then watch inception you'd have to go well he he certainly was influenced you know so when i say overrated it's one of those things where someone says to me you have to, when i say overrated my mind always goes to someone saying you have to watch this because xyz and abc and when i watch it it was it's like i liked it but you guys are making it seem like this guy really give me a, give me an example of something that avatar. you have okay that's <laughs> avatar that's fair was one of those things it was like you have to watch it and i watched it i said oh that was cool it was cool what do you mean it was cool i'm like i watched it i thought it was okay and i went home and okay but give me an example of something that that you have to watch that is that does live up to the hype tombstone Okay. That's, I watched that's... I watched Tombstone for the first time last month and I said to myself this was a masterclass on how to write characters, how to write a story, fair, and how to really take somebody. Like I'm not a Val Kilmer fan, but I watched this and and it made it infuriated me even more that Val Kilmer could do what he does and just and then not do what he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Casino was another example of that. Like when it's just like these, these are um uh Carlito's Way. I think Carlito's Way is the the best gangster film of all time because they, you if the first time Ooh. you watch it over Goodfellas, huh? Over over Goodfellas because it wasn't what you expected from that. There was there was romance, there was heart, there was action, there was violence, and there was these quotes. Like Al Pacino looking at John Leguizamo, and he was like, "Maybe they'll know who you are. Maybe they'll remember the last time I blew my nose either." And I'm like, "Jesus Christ, man!" And it's it's there are certain there are certain things. It's like when you tell me you need to see. You know what? Perfect example. Last time we, we had a conversation, I said, "What's a song that you need to hear?" And you said, "I don't do that because the expectations of it are different." So. You said I will suggest some things, but I'm not gonna. But you said you're not gonna say you have to see these. So yeah. when someone says to me, "You need to hear this," <clears throat> depending on what the source is coming from, I have a different level of expectations. Yes, there's so, there's there's very few, but I mean we're all like that, right? We all have yes. our sources, and we all have our. I you know I I have I have some friends, some family, some people who will will suggest something to me you should watch this and i know i just nod and say okay and i know there's no chance in hell that i'm ever going to turn on something that predictable you know what i mean because i know what they like and then there's some people who who will mention something to me and i'll cancel my night just to make sure i take that thing in because i trust them so implicitly oh uh the movie you um talked about yes God, that'll be my favorite movie of the year Oh, we will. All right, then I won't, I won't bring it up. So we'll move on. Uh, let we got Moon Knight. Da, 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 da. Uh, she Hulk, just real quick. We talked about it, but what'd you think about it? One to 10. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an eight. It's uh, a, I, I say eight. Yeah, give it, I'm being nice. It's, a, it's an eight. This is one of those movies where you'd like to give a strong seven, but because you're not giving it. I, I really would give a, I, I'll give it a strong six because it's, it's nicely executed, but it's still, you know we're we're in this phase of marvel where you're just giving me stories to give me stories and they're not really nothing's i feel like the boat's just not moving in the water 
And it's not that we have to be always building towards something, mm -hmm. but I like stories with weight. I felt like when I was on my way to Infinity War and Endgame, every single movie leading up to that was such a vital component, building this this thing that with this masterpiece. Okay. And now I just I'm hit left at Shang Chi and the 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 immortals or the eternals or whoever the shit those people were and the and then I got this and now this person from this is in this and it's all just kind of sort of multiversal right like I was kind I saw what they were trying to do there but I didn't feel like we were all on our way to the multiverse I felt like Doctor Strange and Spider Man had some shit to handle that's everything else was just kind of doing its own weird we're fighting dragons or ninjas I don't really know what's going on and why and she's a lawyer because we need some comedic stuff but you're bringing back abomination what is that even about do you not trust me enough to put new villains in this do you still need uh, to tie everything to the familiar so and i love exactly tim Roth. what it is that's it's oh, funny because that's exactly what it is six so, so six all right so you know what's funny is i'm i'm gonna stay with my eight Despite if you let me keep talking, I'll have her down to a four by the time we're done. <laughs> I don't go up with my scores. But you know what's funny about it is, is I'm pretty sure, but if so, if you could give it a four and someone's going to be like, so you wouldn't watch it, you're going to be like, no, nah, you should watch it. It's really Absolutely watch it. <laughs> but Just know, because so, at some point it becomes comparative, right? I can't yeah. compare this to everything I've ever seen. I just got to kind of compare it to everything that's coming out now. So it's a, you know, I don't know. So, she gets her six, but she better leave quickly before I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on to the next one because it actually um, furthers my my theory. I'm not going to say point. I'm going to say theory. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is trying to create a comic book universe. And with that, and I've said this on this show, and I've said it on uh, one of my other podcasts about how certain characters don't interact with each other. You'll see Wolverine and the Hulk fight each other. Wolverine will be an Avenger. However, you won't see Cyclops fight Captain America unless it's a huge crossover. You'll see Rogue and Captain Marvel, but you won't see Gambit and Iron Man. So I think they're they're well, there's a so look at look at look at the business model of the comic book industry and look at the business model that the, the film industry is becoming specifically with the MCU and it's at everything starts nice and compact mm -hmm. and and concentrated and wonderful and tasty and you, you only have 10 or 15 superheroes right even as comic book and then that expands and explodes and now there's thousands of thousands of however many books there are now it's way higher than the number of books that were coming out in the early 90s or late 80s. Mm -hmm. So to get at some point, they, they accept the fact that at, there, there's a there's a point of divergence where you go, well, no, no one's going to buy all these books. Right. If we had five superheroes, some kid might every month go buy all five books. OK, but now it's down to the family. Right. You might buy all the Batman books. You might buy all the Spawn books. You might buy all the Spider-Man books, but you're pretty much limited to that universe, right? Or, or the couple of universes you yep. choose to to buy. So to, to deal with heroes outside of that, you need these occasional crossover events. You need yes. a Secret Wars. You need an Infinity War. Marvel through the 90s, If I, I, Amazing Spider-Man being the book I can cite most often, somewhere in the, in the 350s or so. 
it was a it, it was just a uh there were the spider slayers or some there was a there was something yeah. that needed to be fought and all of these heroes or something were coming in and i i think solo was there and nova was there and dark hawk and the punisher oh dear god solo Knight. was there Listen, it was everybody, <laughs> everybody. Uh, uh, Eric Larson used to like to draw him. He kept bringing him back. But this was, they were all there, and, and Mark Bagley was drawing it. But it was Darkhawk and the oh, Punisher and Moon Knight. And at some point, I, Captain America makes an appearance. It's like they were just this hodgepodge of these people don't belong together. And it's the dialogue is so interchangeable. That I know no, exactly what you're talking about. You you don't Moon Knight <laughs> could be it was that might have been that might have been my introduction to Moon Knight, if I'm being perfectly honest, and it might explain why for the longest time I had no idea who Moon Knight was or what his story was, because he was this generic guy in a cape. I was like, why Albino Batman? What is this this dude? exactly what he was supposed to be? And they they almost did you did you read his resurgence? No, so I started to read it. I remember I read the old stuff back when Stephen Platt was drawn. Was it Platt or Toth? One of them, uh, fantastic artist. I think it was Platt. Um, and that's when I kind of stopped. It was older stuff. And then I never read The Resurgence, and I just kind of – so I don't even recognize the the guy in the regular face mask without the hood. It's a – I just I'm – not, I'm not big enough on the on the mythology. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a Warren Ellis version of this. I'm actually sending it to you now. But um, let me say this: you brought up two things. You brought up uh, incur um, in incursion. <laughs> you said it was the word you used. And Secret Wars. I honestly feel that like that is going to be the point when Secret Wars comes out, where things start to make a little more sense in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, here's what I here's what I'd like to happen. You know, nothing would make me happier than them to play this Kang storyline as far as they do and to find out that he, and the reason I say this uh, is because he plays such a part in the comic book version of secret wars to, to, to have Kang's storyline get to a point where Dr. Doom's introduction to the Marvel cinematic universe is as Kang's truthful ancestor or however that all plays out and you can bring me the fantastic four when you do that but give me doom at the end of this kang storyline and i might be back in let me tell you um two things one i'm gonna go pee after i say this two can you imagine the anger and the rage if kang ends up being dr doom's ancestor I mean, it's, <laughs> the it's anger and rage. But, but but why would there be anger and rage? Is that not his actual or at some point? If Kang, I'm not mistaken, it's it, Reed Richards. It is Reed Richards. Yes. So, but hang on. Then what is at the beginning of Secret Wars? There is a. I'm not making this up. So how many times how many times have they retconned Kang's history? That's probably um, worth asking. So there off the top of my head, in the comic books, there are three Kangs. There's Immortus. There's which one, Kang. which one, which one gets pulled into Secret Wars with Doom and Richards? That is Kang the Conqueror. Right. The one that we're supposedly seeing on screen right now. But here's the thing. He's not a I descendant of Doom. He's a descendant of Reed. He's um all 
that Kang, it, it's weird because there's Iron Lad, who's Kang, who's the Kang that we see who right. ends up becoming um, Kang the Conqueror. But there's also Immortus, who's the one who's um, from the Egyptian time. And he's. Right. And we don't know how much of this they're going to port to the MC. We're just, we're just making. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people from our generation is going to be a little upset because I don't think we're getting that Secret Wars. I think we're getting the 2015 Secret Wars from Jonathan Hickman. The new, the new one they wrote. That's the, the I, one. you know, it's the, I never read that one. So I'm, is that, would, that's, is that basically where they jam the regular in Marvel uh, comic book uh, universe together with the Ultimates or yes. whatever? Okay, let me ask you a question. How much time do you have dedicated to read? Because I can send you a link of what I thought was the... So s- send me a link. I, my, my first hour every morning, I make coffee and I just, I literally peruse or read books or just read things that make me uh, smarter or, or not just bullshit. So Jonathan, if there's... Jonathan Hickman, I didn't know this. So Jonathan Hickman, my introduction to him was previously but i didn't know but it, you know how you read things out of context and it kind of makes something that's supposed to be fantastic mediocre or bad oh yes that's what happened with me so a couple of my friends said you need to start with this there was a jonathan hickman wrote three books that led up to actually you know he wrote four books that led up to secret wars it was secret warriors fantastic four new avengers and avengers now all four of those books lead up to the incursion that happens in Secret Wars, uh, and, what, and I just—I actually just finished all of those this year. Is that all scroll stuff with Nick Fury? No, 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 no. The in the secret, the um, a secret this, invasion. Yes, all of this stuff happened after. So Secret Warriors happened after the scroll stuff, or maybe it happened like kind of combined with it. But so the, Se- Secret Invasion's getting a TV show, right? Yes. Which Secret I'm, Wars is just on the eventual, probably going to get to it. Yes, 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 yes. Interesting. Um, so, oh, I'm going to go right, right. to the bathroom. I'm going to go, go right to the I'll, I'll do the same thing. We'll be right, right back. After these messages, we just took a quick break, and we are back. Let's talk about Sandman. We briefly discussed it. If I had to vote a best comic book project of the year it may be sandman and it may be the boys i haven't decided which one is better yet boy the boy the boys is strong um it's it's hard i mean it's there've been so, i i like these one off kind of uh adaptations i liked invincible uh, oh last God. year the boys has been great these things are refreshing. They're derivative in places, but they're refreshing if you're going to give me a genre piece. So to see Sandman, though, just because it's so imaginatively different than even though it's in the fantasy genre, it it did some really cool things with the visuals and the world building and the characters are awesome. And it's just dreamy and out there enough to feel right. It's got Gaiman's hands all over it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I said before, I think uh, just wonderfully acted by Tom Sturridge. So just to, you know, if, if you could just do it without Patton next year, I'd be a hundred, but just get the man a new Raven. <laughs> what uh, you, to, a total nine. Really? 
it's funny. I wasn't sure how you would um how you how you would um rate that. I'm gonna go ten. That's it's uh, yeah nothing uh, nothing made a ten for me this year. But I I I'm being generous with the nines uh with the Batman in this. Those are my uh, those are my only well that that and I'm gonna give Black Panther a nine too before we even get there. Um, only things I'm giving a ten this year are Sandman and the Boys. Um, Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer was just oh wonderful. Like she just absolutely killed as Lucifer, and then to follow it up with the headmistress in Wednesday was just something else too. I couldn't. I, I that's mean, still that's still on my watch list. I haven't gotten there. Oh, yet. I won't I won't say anything else other than that. But I I think that you'll enjoy Wednesday. It wasn't one of those like put it like this. It wasn't a CW show. Despite that's it, that's that's all. That's all. as long as it's not a CW show and as long as it's not a Rob Zombie show, then I'm I'm okay. That's the give me something in the Goldilocks zone between yeah whatever his shit show was with the monsters and the. I, the, a lot I just, of people hated that. I I didn't finish it. I I got X amount of time in my life, and I knew at some point that I just couldn't do more of what I was seeing. That's all. It's just, uh, hey, we just agree to disagree. We should see other people. Rob Zombie. You know what's funny is I don't think I have ever liked anything Rob Zombie has done other than Dragula. Yeah. <laughs> I like his music. I mean, and I'm an old school, bro. I'm 90. I'm old 90s rock. Uh, Thunder Kiss. Uh, come on. That's 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 my jam. That's I, did, I didn't like it, he, He's one of those guys where like, I'll hear something and I'll go. All right, that's cool. But I'll probably never listen to it again. I didn't like House of a Thousand Corpses. No, I don't. I don't. I don't do horror at all. So fuck all that. I just his old music. <laughs> his old then, music used to get me, man. Dragula, Dragula is so cartoonishly fun. I just anyway, and I'm watching monsters, and I'm enjoying it because I'm a, I am a goofball at heart. I'm loving all of this. I didn't finish it, and here's a fun fact for you: I liked it, and I'm still not going back to finish it. It's just at some point, bro, you've just seen all this shit already. Yeah. That seems to be a common theme with a lot of this. And I and again, here it comes again. It's why I liked She-Hulk as much as I did. And here comes the next one. It's why I liked Miss Marvel as much as I did. I so Mar- Miss Marvel was at least the most original thing I'd seen in a while in terms of uh direction it was going. You know, it's almost a, a period Pakistani piece in many places, I guess. Yes. Which I enjoyed. Uh, I, you know, just at some point, just give an actual nod to Scott Pilgrim. You know what I mean? Can you just, <laughs> can you just say what you're doing in there? I don't mind it. I just, that part kind of was like, oh, all right. You just think it's been long enough. People have forgotten. I guess that works. It's cute. It's fun. It was, it was really fucking boring. Uh <gasps> I I just I will say I, this the and it's funny me and my me and my uh, co-host on the show I was like I was like say what you want about Miss Marvel I was like we would not take any slander from the from the actress who plays her she was she's like remarkable she's like little sister and it's like and again, I I dug so much of it I tell me who wait this is this is literally me not be, be lying who was the bad who was the villain in Miss Marvel. Who was the villain in Miss Marvel? Yeah. Uh, um, 
it's funny. I'm Google. It's funny. I said that. Google it. I, I don't. No, no. Look. You know how people, when people are lying, they ask you a question again. <laughs> yeah, so they get, <laughs> so they get Google it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I heard you. That's exactly I'm what I heard you. I thought you said. I thought you said who was the llama in Miss. I'm sorry. That was. Um, who, if I'm not who mistaken, was it? it was Ice. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I this is say, my point. <laughs> but like, okay, this is my, my point. It's so, was it Echo or was that in something totally different? Echo was in Hawkeye, and that was last year. <laughs> and let me tell you. If we recorded this, and I hope we can do this every year, if we <laughs> recorded this kind of episode last year, I just feel that like it would have been an hour of us talking about how good and bad Hawkeye was all at once. Yes, look, there are I. It's very My- difficult for me to be as critical as I am for a lot of reasons. One, I don't think I should actually be critical of anybody else's art to begin with. Uh, two, though. I am immensely enjoying everything. I have watched and enjoyed everything I'm bitching about on this list. But like that's, it's that's it's, the difference, though. You're actually being people can be overcritical, and I don't think you're being overcritical. I think you're being honest. Now, there's a huge difference between the two. Yeah, it's the it's the because I would I would like to have enjoyed Love and Thunder more. Instead of just sitting here going, well, at least it had goats. That's that's all. <laughs> oh, I, I want to have enjoyed it more than I, I I enjoyed it. There is no. It's ultimately pizza or sex or whatever else. These are comic book movies and shows. This is what I've waited my whole life for: is to be totally immersed and swamped in 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 real life versions of the things I grew up on. It's I'm fortunate in that regard that I've kind of part of that generation that had comic books and really crappy animation and then toys. And then we got TV versions of all of these things. And then we got movie versions of all of these things. And then they remade the TV versions of all of these things. And then they remade the movie versions of all of those things. And then Disney bought all of those things and is putting out a third version of all of the, so my generation is lucky. How many Spider-Men have I known? 20? I don't know for sure. <laughs> it started with the electric company. That's where I learned Spider-Man. And now mm-hmm. I've read the comic books and I've seen the TV shows and I grew up on the original Spider-Man cartoon and then Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. And then I mean, given me three be... versions of the movies. And then it's you gave me of all us... of them in the same movie. Do you see what I'm saying? It should be one of us were alive for the original 1960s fucking Spider-Man. Right. These are these are these are just Russian nesting dolls and they just keep cramming them into each other. And one day we're going to have a movie where all three of those Spider-Men meet all the, the, the actors that have ever played the voices. Oh, wait, that was Batman. Do you see what they're doing? It's just so hold on. I, I, I'm going to date myself when how long I've been listening to the Whiskey Brothers podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts <laughs> um, where the Avengers was coming. I was listening to this live. And you went to go see this with Rob Mungle. And Rob Mungle did. and Rob Mungle just happened to, to be press. And he yelled out. Oh, so we <laughs> well, here, here's what here's what happened. We were we were walking by we were Rob had a press pass. So as we show up to see the Avengers, now this was when the original Avengers came out. This must have been 2008, perhaps. So oh, no, this was 2010? 2000, no, because Iron Man was 2008. Hey, Google, when did the Avengers movie come out? She's being a little dumb today. We'll see what she says. 
2012. Okay. So we're, I've been listening. I've been listening to you guys for that fucking long. So 2012. (laughs) And now we've been watching all of the Marvel movies to date. This has been building and building. Rob is a 40 something year old man. We're walking down the hallway and he has a press pass, which means we don't have to wait in line with the peasants. We get to walk right past everybody and go take our seats smack in the middle of the theater. So we're doing it a little bravely and we go past all these kids and one of them goes, Hey, mister, I've been waiting an hour and a half to get to this theater. And Rob <laughs> looks down and he goes, I've been waiting 40 years for this kid. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which is exactly how you should respond to that. Because and he, I he went right by him and it was funny. <laughs> I kid you not. We went to go see um, a former friend of my wife's wife was getting married. And it just so happened to coincide with two things that are very important. One of them was NBA All-Star Weekend. Now, I'm not a I'm a I'm a moderate NBA NBA bomb fan, but me and my best friend get together every year. We drink a bunch of we drink a bunch of alcohol, we eat a bunch of bad foods. And this was the first year in probably a decade that we didn't get together to hang out. And on top of that, it was the premiere of Deadpool One. My wife says her friend, who's not not a friend anymore, is getting married. Da, da, da. I said that's fine, but I'm going to see Deadpool tonight. It comes out. That's she goes. Well, I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to see Deadpool the night it comes out, and she understands this because I have a Deadpool tattoo on my arm. He is just one of the, my favorite. He's probably my favorite character in any genre. She goes, okay. We get our tickets. It was me, her, and her best friend. We were walking within Vegas, going to see Deadpool. And I kid you not, there were kids in the area. And I said, I swear to God, these little motherfuckers interrupt me watching Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I'm going to <laughs> lose my fucking shit. <laughs> some, things, some things are sacred. Some things yeah. are sacred. So I completely understand Rob Mongo when it comes to that. Uh, Werewolf by Night. One of the most refreshing things that has come out all year. Uh, This would be the closest to a 10 I think I'm willing to give uh, on this entire list. And it's simply because it breaks a lot of rules. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is fun. Man-Thing is is creative and cool to see on screen. Uh, The the mythology and that they sort of quickly build – that was that's very fast world building. You only have an hour, and they do it very, Shit, very, sw- that. very swiftly. They create uh, you. You know the world you're in, uh, but most importantly, just the sheer magic that comes. So Michael Giac- Giacchino, is that how you pronounce his last name? Uh, the guy who directed it. He's a composer, and he did the music, the the score for the film, and. To see what's possible when you're directing a movie. Yeah, Michael Giacchino. Yeah, to di- knowing that you're directing a movie, to build the visuals, to go with the, the soundtrack that you hear in your head, to know that you're this is going to sound this way, that this, this violin swell is going to happen right here, that changes entirely the way you decide to shoot a scene. So I think yeah. giving the composer the keys to the director's chair is just a cool novel idea and look at what came of it. Uh, more of that, please. You say that I never thought about. And as I'm thinking about all the moments that went throughout this, 
the uh the special where certain instruments were played and certain music happened that coincided with what was going on and it was very very intentional very intentional and that's not something that's not something you can do if you shoot it and then send it off to have it scored it's only something you can do if you hear the score first which is absolutely impossible to get in any other way other than being the composer and the director that's what i think is the most magic so in here we come another name of a character that i love that's kind of to your point about what we talked about earlier when we have these characters who aren't necessarily the most well-known elsa bloodstone i love elsa bloodstone in the comic books so i'm wondering how are you going to do this with a character that not a lot not a lot of people know what you do is you make her snarky you make her not necessarily entitled well kind of entitled but you also make her entitled but also someone who knows that she needs to earn what she's about to get she was very much jessica jones now one of my introductions to elsa bloodstone happened to be in a jessica jones comic book and their similarities were obvious so i said okay so when you have to do this with a character in mcu you have to make sure that this is something that someone will this is you have to make make sure this is someone that's memorable and they did that you got to give them you got to give them memorable ticks you got to yeah. give you know these these nice little but also that you gave her a a, a reasonable story arc something mm-hmm. to achieve you there was a whole lot of real brilliance in that writing it was very efficient um it wasn't a you just you gave the character something to work towards you gave them an hour to work towards it in a very interesting creative way they managed to do it on what looked like a very minimal set uh Oh, very yeah. minimalist in general. I just the whole thing was I, I keep using the word ambitious, but it was beginning to end and pulled it off and just, you know, I if that doesn't get a 10 from me, I'm just not giving them. It didn't miss. It and that's and that's and one of the things I loved about it was is like I am a fan of and I'll send you a picture later, but Mike Diodota <laughs> And I went into this, I went into this not a fan of the horror genre in general, much yeah. less old horror like this was this had every reason to miss me entirely and it totally stole my heart so he so one of the characters i love mike uh diodota wrote a he drew uh werewolf by night and he made him this big monstrous like mm-hmm. just little legs but big torso and huge hulking yeah and so but when but i didn't know that that's not what he necessarily looks like in the comic books. So when I saw him kind of more like the traditional B-movie, like werewolf yeah. or uh, monster squad kind of werewolf, it was... it made Mexican me wolf boy. Yeah, I was like, this is really fucking good. And I was, I was happy with how much I really enjoyed this. And I kind of wish that the same person who directed this did Moon Knight. Well, I, so if I wish I knew that everything wasn't always building to something bigger and expansive and this and that, I I wish that they would just be honest about some of these things being one-offs that we don't necessarily need to spend years or seasons in some of these worlds that sometimes it would be fun to, for me, 
to see a good two hour, two and a half hour long dark moon night movie that really got into the, that was well thought out and well written and showed me the character and the, the conflict and the, you could do all of that in a, in a movie. And if it warrants, it may be a trilogy, but just to, to do a story and put a bow on it and be done. That's what I, that's what made me so happy about this. We may never see man thing or where none of these, we may never see bloodstone again, but tonight it was fun. Exactly. And that's the one, the other thing about that is like, like you just said, you don't necessarily need to see these characters again. Would I like to see Elsa Bloodstone again? Absolutely. Would I be shocked if we'd never seen her again? No. But isn't it cool? Remember, remember when comic books used to come out and then just a character would pop up and you'd be, oh, Venom's back. Do you remember the magic of that Mm. as opposed to, Venom showing up, and then all of a sudden, Venom has 13 comic books and three spinoffs and guest star appearances and everything else, and you're so Venom the fuck out that you can't even see straight. That's, you know, and Venom's a bad example, but they've done it with literally everything Can I be honest with you? Venom is a perfect example. Specific, And I make this joke with um, one of my friends. I said, the only people who, the only people who really enjoy Venom shop at Hot Topic. It's <laughs> and, and this is coming from a guy who shops at Hot Topic, but for the most part, like they go, "Oh, Venom eats people." Venom does not eat people. And I, I and I, someone said, "Yes, he does." I go, "Okay, show me when he's eating somebody." And I was I'm like, "I'll wait." Venom doesn't do that. He's talked about it. It's an, <laughs> it's an intimidating thing. He did it in the Ultimate Universe. But he's never actually really eaten a person. The only Venom that actually has eaten a person is Matt Gargan. And Matt Gargan, the Scorpion, is my favorite Venom. And a lot of it has to do with the person who drew him. It happened. It also happened to do happened to be Warren Ellis, who was a phenomenal writer, who wrote Venom as this big, inky, monstrous, carnivorous person. But inside of that was a was a now my cat and my and my dog are fighting. Hmm. Uh, hold on, I love my wife. <laughs> like she doesn't flinch when I say that. She's just like, yeah, go ahead, I'll give up. <laughs> but um, but this is what I mean by like when you take certain characters and you like it takes a great creative team to make any to make any project in general. And I think well the have- the. You 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 really got to look at how important the battery is in stand up in uh in stand up in comic books between the writer and the artist and when when they're when they're on the same page it's pure magic and when they're not it can get a little convoluted and sloppy and choppy but done right you have you find a writer that understands the character deeply and wants to take the character on some journey. That's going to leave him or her a little bit different when you're done. We're going to run 12 issues, and at the end of it, Batman's going to have a kid. Or whatever happens, the character's going to have, will, will have moved his chess piece somewhere up the board. And a good artist understands how to tell that story in a way that your eye moves across the page in the proper way. And that 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 mirrors the words and that it all it all fits and that the story's told in the right way. And the two of them in tandem do that. When you get into film, now all of a sudden you've got a lot more cooks in the kitchen. 
you got a lot more shit going on. You got mm -hmm. a director who's got a vision. You got a screenwriter mm -hmm. who's trying to take comic book material that existed in two dimensions and as artistically proportioned pieces of art and that stood alone, each individual panel. And now you're trying to convert that to this three-dimensional moving medium. And you that requires a different pacing of script, a different type of – everything is different. So – how that what gets lost in that translation and something will or what gets added to it in that translation because something will that's the stuff that i think they still try to shake out it's you know that's why some things work better than others i think you know we were forgiving of the first iron man in many ways because we were just excited to see something on the screen but if you watch that first iron man it's very similar in structure to just a panel by panel comic book. Mm -hmm. It's it's it does nothing extraordinary. Even your villain is still kind of in basic armor. It's nothing's extravagant. It's just sort of six panel pages. It's not it, until later on that we're watching Ragnarok that people are bursting out of the panels and we're breaking the fourth wall in She-Hulk and we're this is just the MCU's kind of mirroring the 80s to 90s comic book transition we all lived through. Yeah. And and for people listening to this who are overly Marvel, and I'm a Marvel guy, you also need to remember one thing. None of this would have been possible without the original Wonder Woman who, and I'm mad I can't remember her on her name. Linda Carter. Linda Carter. It wouldn't have been happen. It wouldn't have happened without Christopher Reeve. It wouldn't have happened. Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno wouldn't happen without Michael Keaton, Jack mm -hmm. Nicholson. These are the people who made it a point. Uh, Wesley point. Snipes. I yeah. some of the there there are so many ventures into the the superhero genre, and even you know I think the brave attempts at stuff like kick-ass along the way oh my god it, yes you know they're they're just there have been some good adaptations I think there have been some fun little ventures out there into the the world I grew up in I read too many of these damn things as a kid to not be entertained by seeing them good or bad right now I don't have you know it's I cringe when I go look back and read through the stuff that I think is so formative to me and I look at the gaudy 90s clothes they're wearing and the bangles and the <laughs> the the Rob Liefeld hair and the oh my god the, the Rob Liefeld yeah. Captain America chest all of it listen it's all <laughs> most of what we we read was garbage it was just our garbage and now I you're showing me new versions of it and I'm you know I'm forgiving just get just surprise me as much as those books did in the in the beginning that's all i ask of you be yeah. fresh and surprising and let me tell you there's a lot of stuff that i've read over the last years i like i have read over a thousand comic books this year and mm -hmm. there's been a lot of stuff that i've gotten halfway through and been like yeah i'm not even gonna acknowledge that i read this and then kept it moving and it's like it's <laughs> some, well, sometimes... listen don't be afraid to just quit so oh, shit I... Oh my God! The, the stuff I that I quit this year. I just unapologetically stop a, stop a book right in the middle if it's not good. There's no reason to press through it. I decided. I decided. I don't know, but there's a finite amount of books I'm going to be able to re read before I die, and I just don't have time to <laughs> to read all of the bad. I ones. will do you one even better. I'm not going to say the name of this particular comic book, but there are. 
22 pages in this particular comic book. Mm-hmm. I stopped at page 12. Strong. I, I was just like, yeah, I'm cool. I don't care. And this is a phrase that I've started to adopt a lot this year with people and things that that annoy me. I don't care enough. And this is one of those situations like, yo, I don't care enough to continue this. I love Kitty Pride as a character. I think mm-hmm. I did a top 100 comic book characters of all time. And I wrote Kitty Pride being the number one character because not Superman, not Batman, not Spider-Man, not anybody else, excuse me, has had the character development that she has. It was perfectly done from, actually, the title I wrote for one article was Kitty Pride from Timid Teen to Red Queen. She's come so far as a character. And I love this character, Wolverine, who's in my top three favorite characters of all time. And you have you give me everything that I should love about this book, but it's so fucking bad. <laughs> and everyone loves fuck it. Everyone loves Chris Claremont. Oh yeah, he is a god among comic book writers. He gave us some of the best. Look, his 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 Jim Lee's X Men run was literally probably saved the comic book business when it came out. So I'm gonna so as true as that is, and I'm gonna say this. Do you remember when Batman said you haven't done? He said to Superman, "You haven't done anything important since you died." (laughs) Chris Chris Claremont has not done anything good in the last twenty years. Wow, that's a bold statement. And I under, and I understand it's bold. I don't know. I don't know that I have. A, I don't know that I have a counterpoint to that right now. Um, I'd have to really look at what he'd written, and because sometimes stuff will just slip my mind. I'll be like, oh shit, he did write that, but I nothing leaps to my mind. Please, anybody, let me know something that he's written that's been good. He shouldn't even be forgiven for X Men: The End. And oh, oh. god, the, what he did for X Men: The End was. So anyway, I'm gonna move on. We're gonna we'll get to the end of the episode. We're gonna do our blank of the year. Oh yeah, let's do this. So movie of the year, I have everything, everywhere, all at once. That's I, a great choice. My third this is one of those things. My therapist was like, "You should." Um, he goes, "Hey, watch this, and we'll come back, and we'll have a whole therapy session on it." And I couldn't believe how goofy it was, and how much I loved it, and then how deep it got. Like I oh. just enamored with the idea of this person being the the most boring per- version of every reality and how important they were to reality and the message behind it. And I am one of those people who like if you give me a good message behind something, I'm all in. But then you give me a message on top of this fantastic mm-hmm. performance and acting and joking. And then not taking itself serious on top of taking itself serious. Yeah. It's, and it's, you and it's, then you put the whipped cream of short round on top of everything. Oh my what? god. And they gave that me was... a, a mirage rare or whatever cherry on top of all the whipped cream and the chopped nuts and all that other stuff. I it, it was absolutely a, it was it was one of the most look, that's a that's a really difficult thing. To tackle right it's one thing to write a movie where a storyline uh, goes from a to b to c to d and your characters all follow an arc that's hard 
to write something that that time travels and universe leaps and does yeah. all of those things non-linearly is is even more difficult uh but to actually have a philosophical underlying ideology that you know this panpsychism that scene with the rocks was one of the most oh my god yes kicked me in the face in terms of ways i've been thinking about what we are and how we exist so it just to to, to accomplish all of that you just i don't know one thing is impressive two things is more impressive but always where you pull off three totally just difficult feats at one time good on you it's funny and, um, and it's great and the acting's incredible and it's it's just ah uh, win and, win win and it's funny because the pink floyd under the brick in the wall kept kind of popping in my head because it's like that's what kind of what it felt like it's like we are just like just this we all have a purpose and and i'm pretty sure a million people have taken um pink floyd's brick in the wall as, as like their own like you know like different versions of it but i watched this movie and i couldn't believe how much i loved it and then the goofiness of this being like a bagel and they turned it into this metaphor for this like for like life and relationships and then I, i'm not gonna i was gonna i was gonna break into it but i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it no nor should you it's a it's, it's, it's the best movie it's I've such seen a here. it's one of those movies that you you legitimately deserve to see with no input from anyone just go blind and know that it's going to take you a minute to figure it out and it's worth every second and uh, just when you think you know what where it's going yeah it's, it's gonna a, go no <laughs> it's just good it's just good i've it's we need more of that original material yeah. a story that's not afraid to take a chance and that took so many chances what was your uh, movie of the year R R R. <laughs> I knew the answer to the question, and we talked about it earlier. We we briefly spoke about it on the other show. But why is this your movie of the year? It's you've never seen a movie like it. It's it breaks every rule, and it breaks them because it understands them. It is. I would tell you to, th so. After you watch R R R, which is my favorite musical and action movie of the year. Uh, at the same time, it has got a four minute dance off that is one of the best <laughs> fight scenes you've ever seen, and no one even touches anyone. Then it breaks into a 30 minute bromance that you can't even possibly explain. But the fact that it's willing to tell so many little stories inside of the story that you're never, you never fall into that 70 minute death trap, right? Ooh. You don't feel like you know, you don't know what beat is coming next. It's very, it jumps around in ways that make sense. It'll leave a storyline just long enough for you to forget about it. Um, the the director, R, I think it's S.S. Ramajuli is his name. Um, it's He has to have been influenced by, my guess would be stuff like Mel Gibson's. Uh, yeah, uh, S.S. Those, those, those big epics that, that Mel Gibson used to do, The Patriot or Apocalypto or uh, what was the first one, Braveheart that really didn't follow that typical 90-minute story arc that we're used to. It was kind of, I mean, these were epics, and the character would spend a lot of time in the first hour that wasn't anywhere near like the time they were going to spend in the second and third hours, right? So Ramajuli does this a lot 
he'll introduce he'll spend a lot of time 20 minutes in some instances introducing you to a character and then later on he'll introduce you to another character and spend another 20 minutes there and then this will all come together at the end or in different ways that it'll intertwine it's very like you remember uh the fifth element right yes uh luke besson uh they don't introduce you to Bruce Willis's character, Corbin Dallas, Look until I, 25 minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. About that, yeah. Which is, that breaks every rule of filmmaking. If you go watch, any, pick a Marvel movie or pick a Star Wars movie and, and, and track it the way those movies track and watch how quickly you're introduced to the hero – Watch how quickly the hero does something to, to prove they're heroic and they're a good person. Watch how quickly they're forced into a situation where they have to make a decision and watch how quickly they make a decision to do that thing, good or bad, and watch how all of that happens in the first 12 minutes or so of the film. And then we're into the middle parts, but you're going to get to that place where something dies or is on the line or or Black Widow gets pushed off the cliff, or you can you can go look at where they fall in in the in the ratio of the film, and they're all in the same place. You go look at where the main character's mother gets killed. You go look at I don't want to ruin Black Panther for you, but if you look at where the death scenes fall in some of these recent Marvel films, they're just right across the board. Look at how quickly Shuri is introduced to her role in this new film. Mm-hmm. They're just checking boxes and Kugler's doing it better than anybody and he's still checking the boxes. So for oh, me for the record, give Angela Bassett all the fucking awards, man. Oh, she was incredible. So for me, something like RRR comes along and it tells a story in a refreshingly new pace. And if you go back and watch his two previous films, uh, Bahu Bali 1 and 2, the beginning and the conclusion, it's a, a collective six-hour epic of, of Bahu Bali. And it tracks him and his son and the legacy and the father and the king and the this and the that. and the, it's, it's one of the most epic things I've ever seen in my life. The first 30 minutes of both of those films will leave you wondering if I've lost my mind. You'll go, well, this, oh. this, is, this is okay, uh, I guess. I kind of, it's okay. But then it will, get, it will find its pacing. And both of the films are weirdly odd in that way in that it takes them a minute to hit their stride. But once you're an hour or so in, you're engrossed in the epic of Bahubali and you're watching some of the most ridiculously imagined fight scenes. And there's a, this, this one part in Bahubali where he leaps up on an elephant's back and the elephant grabs the bow and he pulls back on the string and it launches it. It's, there are, there's this spinning blade chariot. The, uh, at one point in RRR, uh, one of the main characters early on fights what I can only tell you are a thousand people. Uh, at one t- to to make to do this thing, there's a. Is that the one? Is that the scene where he finds a tiger? They flip and he slams it. Oh yeah, so that's that's the introduction to one of the characters uh, there. The uh, the same character later in in RRR manages to leap out of a burning uh, wagon full of uh, deer whose antlers are on fire. I think, and there's bears and there's eagle. Bro, it is. Every, there, when you get to the end where there's the motorcycle fight, I this isn't even the dance off I spoke of earlier, and this isn't even Bahu Bali one or two, which comes with its own set of. There's a, at one point in Bahu Bali there is a there is a catapult 
that 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 they wrap soldiers into a ball and then fling the ball of soldiers and then there's another scene where the catapults are flinging these giant blankets covered in oil and then he shoots these flaming arrows and these huge stadium-sized blankets catch on fire and fall on top of these armies it's just goddamned epic and i wish they would give him the keys to a marvel property because the guy knows how to make films i kind of feel like i'm listening to this and i'm listening to you talk about excuse me i'm listening to you talk about this it's a comic book yeah and i'm like this needs to be it's just the it's just the right amount the cgi is just good enough he needs a cosmic epic. Like this should be like Annihilation War, or the or the New Guardians of the Galaxy, or for the love of God, give him people. The one thing people forget about Wolverine is how emotional he is. Give somebody like him the keys to a fucking Wolverine franchise. It'd be interesting to see because he tends to right now play a lot in the obvious Bollywood uh, genre, and he tends to play a lot on the the Shiva mythology and some of the other Hindu mythology. So it would be fun to see what would happen. I don't know enough to know if there's any um, Hindu superheroes at this point, uh, but I'm certain that Marvel, because they're they're incredibly inclusive, would probably have, have done something. And I just, if you were going to go that route, that's kind of the, that would be really fun to see is to give him something that's very much in his wheelhouse and not just totally, you know, here's Spider-Man. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's an Indian Spider-Man, um, Patrick parkour. I can't, I forget his name, but there's an Indian Spider-Man. Like let him, let him fucking do a fucking interesting. Yeah. This, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's my 100%, uh, watch RRR. And if it's your speed, then you should absolutely immediately go watch Bahu Bali one and two. They're buried on Netflix, but they're free. That's all this shit free. <laughs> shit, that's all you had to say. Um, <laughs> so show of the year, I was. It was a toss up between Sandman, but we talked about it. But I can't speak enough about how how much I love Vox Machina. So I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, you Just tell like, me the show. Vox Machina is what happens when you take. So the story of Vox Machina and how it came to be was it was a bunch of voice actors who did a Dungeons of Dragons campaign. And oh, they, I know this story. That's what this is. It, it, and so picture Guardians of the Galaxy if you did it in a very King Arthur's with or King Arthur slash game of thrones kind of deal let me tell you this right now and i don't normally do this you will watch this and you will be thoroughly entertained and not just in a oh this is funny oh this is great there is a song where one of the dwarves sings a about um anal beats oh and it's called um anal it called it's called beads of love and at one point he goes, pull on my motherfucking beads of love. <laughs> okay. Um, it, there's a character that's very much like Drax. There is a character who's very much like you, and I think you should watch it. And <laughs> you'll you'll know who this character is when you <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, it, what's, it, what's it on? I will give this, I will oh, give this free on Amazon Prime. Perfect. I will uh, look Fox it up. Machina, it's, an, it's a fantastic show. 
the only other show that comes in comparison to either one of those is Peacemaker. And Peacemaker is a nine, but Peacemaker gets an extra bonus because that show had no business being as fucking good as it was. John Cena fucking killed that. James it had it had no business being that good. It was the it literally was their guardians of the galaxy to me. Exactly that. It came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, I will. It will. It, it will. I, I'll just throw it out there right now before I come back to tell you my show of the year. But where Peacemaker really stood out for me, my absolute favorite character of the year out of any show I think I watched at all. Nothing entertained me more than Vigilante. So. Oh my god! Can I, I, tell, I Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to say this. I'm watching Peacemaker, and all I could think, and this is. Call me, call me a fanboy, and please don't call me a stalker. But I'm watching Peacemaker, and I kind of felt like Peacemaker is you if you were a bro. I'll take that. Hear me out. And and Sam was a cuck. <laughs> <laughs> which 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 for the love of God, please, Sam Damaris, don't kill me because and like <laughs> he's one of my Sam Damaris is one of my favorite fucking people. Like I've it, he's fucking great and and. I look at the two of y'all and it kind of reminds me of me and my best friend. <laughs> but like, it kind of, like, it's Peacemaker. Tell me I'm wrong. If you were a bro, you'd be fucking Peacemaker. I, no, absolutely. There were, there was, there were some absolute moments where I feel this dude, man. <laughs> I feel this like, dude. All right. Like, like just randomly fucking an alien. <laughs> uh, uh, Sladeham, have you fucked an alien? It's, I don't know for sure. <laughs> for sure that's all i need to hear so what <laughs> but yeah peacemaker had no business being as good as as what it was and it wasn't just the cast of characters because you can't just put anybody into these positions and and have it be good no that chemistry that that, that chemistry was strong it's, it's a top tier the what's her uh why can't i remember her name i'm so enamored with the blonde uh uh the, the damn the, the damn cops. Uh, Jennifer Holland. Yes. Uh, what was her character's name on the stupid show? Uh, Amelia Harcourt. Harcourt. That's what I kept wanting to say. Hardcore. Yeah. Harcourt. Uh, yeah. She was. Uh, man. She's. She's. She's attractive. That was. Uh, I, I was very impressed. Which makes me like Peacemaker even more. So there we oh, go. Oh yeah. There, there, there ain't nothing, nothing fucking wrong with that. Uh, and then you throw it. Um. The dude who played Clemson, Clemson Moore, and uh, I'm gonna fuck his name up because I have a very American tongue. Um, <laughs> uh, Chuck Woody Iwuji, he like just watching him be this like fake, um, uh, undercover like butterfly who really and really yeah loved he Kennedy. was good. There was so much to really love about this, and I am a huge fan. Peacemaker, um, Peacemaker almost made my show of the year. It was, it, it was, uh, it was very close. If it wasn't for Vox Maka not being as good as it was, um, and Danielle Brooks who was an orange and new black, like she was really good at, in it as well. And Eagerly almost made the best character of the show. Uh, have you watched? <laughs> have you watched Arcane League of Legends? I have not. Okay, it is. It is my show of the year. Right, what and, is, where can I find it at? It is. Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, I believe it should be free. It is revolutionary uh, animation. Oh. It is what they have managed to do with mocap and animation combined. 
makes for some of the most visually awesome. It follows these two sisters. Uh, it's a it's a great story. Just added it to my list. But the absolute stunning animation. Um, it'll it'll knock you off your feet. You could watch it on mute and uh, don't because it's remarkable. But just hands down, my probably my favorite show of the year. Uh, all right, I, I just added that to my list. Character of the year. I'm going Wednesday, Adam. Adams, because you haven't seen it, I'm not going to break too much of it down. But I will say this. When you're creating, writing, and portraying a character that is as beloved as Wednesday Adam is, you have a certain level of responsibility, for the lack of a better term. I want to say her name is Ortega Ortiz, and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to butcher her um, her name. I'm Googling it now. It is... Oh, Jenna Ortega, excuse me. She murdered this role in a way that who else has played Wednesday Adams? The uh, Christina, Christina Ricci. Ricci. Christina She's Ricci. the only one. Oh no, there's been other people. There's the original. I believe it was Lisa Loring. I'm looking at now. All right, right. Yeah, we, the original Aubrey Plaza never played her, right? No, 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 did no, she? no, no. No, but she has the face. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz did it. The um, the animated version, and she was she was great as well. But okay. Jenna Ortega, she. <laughs> She There's looks the, great on the Netflix uh, still screen. They keep showing me. You did you enjoy the you? I'm, I'm assuming you enjoy Adam's family. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna in you're gonna like this because there's a lot of callbacks to the 1990s movie, the original TV show, and and I didn't understand. I didn't get this until my wife brought it up that there were callbacks to the comic strip, which is the original. So they played all homage, right. they played homage to all of that. And they made sure that Wednesday Adams was as smart, clever, and there's a difference, and as intelligent as you'd want her to be. And there's also some some things that I can't really talk about that make the character even better without spoiling. It's it's on my list. I'm gonna watch it. We'll be able to talk it's, about it soon. It's it's super dope. It's 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 a really good show. They captured the character and they didn't do one of these things where they they didn't keep tropes. And that's something I hate when you have a trope and you're like, well, we have to do this. Well, this person mm. needs to be the hero. This person needs to be the villain. It's like no. Sometimes it's okay when things are just what they are. And I'm gonna say it again. Um. The hold on, I'm mad. I can't. Uh, da, 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 Wednesday cast. Oh, not Wednesday night. Not Wednesday night football. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wednesday cast. The woman who played the headmistress, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, is fan fucking tastic. Oh yeah, you did mention that. She's yeah. uh, that's an I didn't know she was in it until you said that. So I'm uh, double stamping that now. Yeah, that, that may be on my next watch list. I would climb the shit out of her. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's what, yeah. You got Wednesday. Man. I'm I'm sticking with Vigilantes. That was my absolute most entertaining thing to watch in the entirety of last year. Uh, give me, give him his. Well, you can't really give him his own series, but he was entertaining to me. He, <laughs> you could give him his own show, but it would definitely have to be a no because because short. no because he's he only works in counterpoint to to Peacemaker. They don't, I I don't, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. 
he is perfect because of how you showed him to me, how you gave him to me. I don't need a spinoff ruins it. A spinoff is double clicking and showing me you're filling in the blank. I don't need to do all that. Just let him be this crazy dude in this mask with very little backstory that fucking has this relationship with Peacemaker and it makes me giggle my dick off and don't ruin that. DC. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an Andor. Tell me you wouldn't watch an Andor of him for 45 minutes. No, not, not absolutely nope. I would hate him by the time it's done. Really? He only works. Yes, he is a cowbell that that you could play once or twice in a song. You called him a cowbell. Okay. Yes, I did. Right, right, I, I'm gonna drop it there. I'm gonna drop it there. You called him a, <laughs> call him a fucking cowbell. I got <sighs> I got nothing. To, I'm gonna let you go first here. What was your biggest disappointment of the year? Okay, so this is a little off genre, and it's very recent, but it's very fresh. Uh, have you seen Bullet Train yet? I love Bullet Train. Okay, this is – no! You loved it? I love Bullet Train. Do no! You know, do you know why I love Bullet Train? Okay, because – Because it was goofy as shit. Because it, it was everything I have been screaming about in one place. You've, it you, was. It's everything it you've was, read about since we started the show. Yes, it is. It is the 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 characters who don't. I mean, okay, you got some character arcs. There's uh, 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 Peach Tangerine, not the uh, what's what's the other one? Uh, lemon. 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 Uh, look, I, there there was there were a couple of, but if you didn't see every single beat of that coming, it just like everything happened where it should happen. As it should happen, when it should happen, it was yes. like watching a music video where it just was happening on rhythm so frequently. I could have directed the movie without reading the script. Whoa, 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 and, whoa! Stop, 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 stop! You directed and and are producing the Andy Huggins comedy special. So do not put yourself in a situation where you do something <laughs> where you can't see it coming. <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that the people know that if they see your name, it's not bullshit because like. I, 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 you've shown me some stuff. Um, I've had, I've had the, uh, I had the privilege of having, uh, I was working with Andy Huggins, the legendary, uh, septuagenarian comedian who happens to be one of the greatest comedy writers you've ever encountered. So it was very hard for me to be predictable when he was as good as he was. So <laughs> that's, but bullet train these sons of bitches. And if nothing else took me out of it, look, I can surrender. <laughs> All the fucking disbelief I need to. I am full are, blown. Are you, are, you, are you gonna bring up him on top of the train? No, I can live with people on tops of trains. I, what I cannot live with is a bunch of dudes with guns standing at a Japanese train station. That's what I cannot abide by. Guns just in Japanese public, and no one's even making a scene about. You're just gonna be at all the train stops. Every so, single one of the trains. So Come you're on, bro. Also, you could maybe commandeer Kyoto, but you can't get them all. I've been on the bullet train. I've taken that train from Tokyo all the way to Hiroshima. I know what that train feels like. I know what those train stops are. Yes, they're about a minute. All of some of that really? is fun and neat, but the most of it. There's no way you have a train with no employees. There's no way you have a train with no other people. I don't care if you bought all the tickets. You cannot commandeer a train in a first world fucking country for the length of time that they did all night and into the next day. And every train stop and guns and knives and explosions and dead people. And no one says shit. Where is, I don't know, Japan while this is going on. 
I'm, anyway, I'm just gonna tell you. Like anyway, I, I'm gonna tell you like I tell my wife: suspend disbelief. I suspended my disbelief so hard. I oh oh oh. <laughs> hey, look, man. <laughs> Everybody in it's such a fun little actor, but they're just so simply written. It's it's I I felt like this felt like smoking aces done wrong. Yes, yeah, smoking aces was a fantastic one. Yes, and this was not, and it even had Brad Pitt. It just down all of it. You just and Ryan saw, Reynolds. Yeah, it had everything. Ryan so, Reynolds playing exactly the same guy Ryan Reynolds plays in everything. Ryan Reynolds is the most typecast human being. I don't care if you're watching Free Guy or Book of Adam or whatever that shit was, or the the Dead Dead Deadpool's the only thing I like him in because that's who he really is. Everything else is him doing a photocopy of Deadpool. Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. yes. Okay, so so okay. Yes, I've All seen right. it. So, Here is me as Deadpool as. <laughs> Again, I'm a fan. Do me a favor, take a picture of that. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the um that's gonna be the, <laughs> the image. That's gonna be the image we use that I use for this. So before I move on, <coughs> who is your number one celebrity? Like if you could have sex with one celebrity, who is it gonna be? The reason I bring it up because my number one celebrity is in that movie. That's you know, let me rephrase that. Hmm. So hold on. So, so I'm gonna let you think about this. So I have two answers to this question. So there's the attractive question. The attractive question is Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats was the woman who had the poison. Mm-hmm. She was also Domino in Death. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. I think she is the most attractive woman on the fucking planet, only seconded to my wife and Rosario Dawson. Oh, strong, strong, strong choices both. Uh, yeah. Cam- now- Cam- Cameron Diaz in The Mask. <laughs> That's... I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, Cameron Diaz in the mask or Cameron Diaz in something about Mary either or Cameron Diaz in between those two films. But that care that era Cameron Diaz. Oh, so hold on. No, no, no. I'm going to ask you now. It has to be someone who looks like they do right now. Oh, who is my current? So, uh, so, so hold on. I'm going to let you think about this and I want to explain. And when I say this, my wife calls me petty. Mm-hmm. So the reason I bring this up is because the the bullet chain reminded me of Zazie Beach, which reminded me of a question my best friend asked me. We were in a group chat. He says, if you could have sex with one person, your wife gives you a hall pass, who would it be? Now, I picked Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler is a WWE um, woman wrestler. She's also a former UFC fighter. Now, I find her attractive. But that's independent for the reason why she is my number one pick. And here's where the pettiness comes in. The pettiness comes in for two reasons. One, not only do I find her attractive, my wife doesn't understand why I find her attractive. So I would like to have sex with her just because my wife doesn't understand it. So I <laughs> so there's that. And two, <laughs> and two, because I don't think that she you know what that's independent to that so <laughs> i'll tell you <laughs> but it, it's well, mostly because my wife doesn't think she doesn't find her as attractive as i do and just so i could say you give me a hall pass just so i can come back and she goes who'd you have sex with so i can go shanna baszler 
and then just keep walking. Nice. I might have to go back and ring in with Harcourt from uh, <laughs> from old Peacemaker. I haven't been able to stop thinking about her since you brought her up. Dad Gummit. So I'm also kind of um, pissed off because you have met somebody. And, and this is, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I want to point something out that Slade Ham is uh, as petty as I am. He's also an asshole. Would you like to know why he's an asshole? I'm glad you asked. Because I was randomly on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or something or other, and I brought up how Chloe Bennett is in my top five. Ah, yes. And then randomly, he DMs me a picture of him taking a picture of her, and I was like, you are an asshole. That's uh, We we spent an afternoon together. Uh, Her, it it was, yeah, it was, anyway. the uh, But I think the picture I sent you, uh, is probably uh, it looks very weird because I think one of us is looking at the camera and one of us isn't, and it's uh, it's clearly it. However, however the photograph is captured, clearly she's not paying attention to me and not the other way around. But I think the photograph is uh, deceiving. It looks like I'm not paying. Oh no, attention. this was actually one of those pictures. Actually, see, this is one of those situations where Slade is um, being unlike himself. And if I could see, if I could sing the slang, if I could sing the song. <clears throat> My name is Slade Ham. It's all about me. <laughs> but like, they were both smiling in this picture, and I really wish I still had. It. I'm pretty sure I still do in one of the DMs. Oh yeah, I'll have to go back and dig that up. Uh, but um, he's also met my one of my favorite rappers, Lupe Fiasco, which we've talked about, and we both agree that great rapper. But his his thoughts on the world are whoo. You know very, what, man? <laughs> Lupe 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 just simply I remember the thing that stood out uh was that he didn't think we should and I, I I don't know that I you know I have a lot of people I know who, who agree with him but he didn't think we should be spending time focusing on colonizing Mars that was a big conversation we talked about uh, like humans leaving the planet and it was that was the biggest thing we disagreed on cuz I'm all I'm very pro exploration he's very pro fix all this and I'm like ah, just let's let's I move know. on I want to know. I I do and don't want to know what's going on in the ocean. I think the ocean is much more frightening than space, but that's just my theory. My, it's, my there's just there's just I don't know. A curiosity will get us everywhere. You're not wrong. I agree with you a thousand percent. Let's let's go everywhere. My my buddy Hobby, my one of my my closest friends, like he's all for like he loves space. When they shot those pictures of what it looks like and all this other stuff and how um, time travel is like time exploration is possible i was like yeah give me all of that i love this stuff but anyway that's another course one of the biggest surprise mm. so i went black adam because i didn't have much expectation i am not a big fan of Dwayne the rock johnson but he looked the part this is a movie 10 plus years that was supposed to happen I went so, to Black Adam and I loved it. So Black Adam is my biggest surprise. Oh, there was another one we didn't get to, but we can get to that real quick. I haven't seen Black Adam yet, and I feel bad. My friend is in it. Um, oh yeah, um, Mo Ammer is yeah. whose oh, whose show whose show on Netflix uh, deserves to be seen. Not on genre at all, but it's a it's a remarkable uh, TV show. It's set in Houston. He is an incredible actor, and the story is just, it's kind of his journey as a Kuwaiti refugee and his kind of time here in, in America. So totally worth seeing if you get a chance to watch it. Uh, and I owe Black Adam a watch because of that. Um, mine, 
Hold on. I, I was just going to say my, my, my biggest surprise is going to be redundant because it was She-Hulk and I was, that was the one I was so prepped to hate and <laughs> and so ultimately satisfied by. And I'm wrong with that. So I just realized I didn't know my biggest disappointment. My biggest disappointments were, were tied. Westworld season four was absolutely fucking atrocious. Oh, I skipped it. So I I watched so in July I had time and me and Valkyrie, my wife, we watched season one, loved it. We got through Fantastic. season one, we got through season one in, in less than a week. Yes, two was a slog. I like season two. It was it was very much three was sloggier, and then I imagine four is is worse than gonna, all of them. Oh man, I can't wait for you to hate season four. It's a I'm gonna give it a while. I I look three was they took it out of once you everything has this is the it's it's Westworld is just human Jurassic Park, right? Like it's not <laughs> it really it's is. following the same beats. Really and is. if you notice the first Jurassic Park, much like the first Westworld, all of the terror came in the fact that it was us versus them in this tiny environment, right? You were there was finite. There were walls to the prison. You weren't getting out of Westworld. You weren't getting out of Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. It was you versus the dinosaurs until mm -hmm. somebody won. And that's now once you break into this, now you've expanded the world. And now you've now you've turned it into you've let them out into the regular world. And once they're out into the regular world and the news is following it, this stops being interesting. It starts oh. being all this busyness. So oh. Go ahead. I can't. There's there's so much I want to say about season four. I didn't finish it. There's an I have one episode left to finish, and it was so bad that I decided that I'm just not going to. I'll give it a watch oh. because I've got I've, I'm going overseas twice in the first three months of the year, so I'm I'm gonna have plenty of time on flights to watch an entire season of shit that hopefully puts me to sleep. So here's my thing. Um, don't bother to read comics because <laughs> it's it's really fucking bad. And you know what makes it even worse is the you know you know I'll I'll add, I I've been actually editing episodes. So Westworld cast the woman who plays uh, Dolores, uh -huh. Evan, Evan Rachel Wood, and another prop to myself. I think she should play Susan Storm. I think she's, I think she's played the Invisible Woman, and when I watched when I watched season one, I said she has all the motherly qualities to play Susan Storm, but is she mean enough? And then season two happened, and I went, right. oh, she is definitely mean enough to play Susan Storm. Yep. And I don't know what the fuck they did to her in season four, but in Aaron Paul, he just. I, I want to like him in season three. He was better in season four than he was in season three. Okay. And that's not really saying much because he kind of sucked in season three. Yeah. Um, Westworld really frustrated me because, and maybe because I binged it all. Maybe because I watched season one and then season two and then season three. But it was bad. And I'm and I was mad at my wife for a while because she figured out who um, uh, the man in black was, episode one. Yeah. And I was pissed. I'm like, how do you know who that was? She goes, I yeah. out in episode one. I was like, oh, fuck you. But I was I on that. I was on that. I think 
I forget when we found out. Me and Matthew Broussard were watching that. We watched the last two episodes in Italy. I don't remember that so vividly. We were in Naples. And I can't remember if we – somebody knew. I'm going to have to ask him because I usually pride myself on having figured that stuff out, and I think I was on top of that well before the finale. Anyway. Yeah, she got that episode one, and I was just like – and I was mad because she figured it out. But also uh, other bits of point was nope. I thought Nope was awful. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch it, but I. I do know. I've seen some clips. I'll let you destroy it here in a minute. Here's the. Here's the good part of it, is there was some revolutionary filmmaking in it as well, it and was. the way they shot the night scenes. Um, yes, if you if you remember, there were some scenes outside at night um, yeah. in the in the Wild West, wherever that was. And the way they shot that either with – it was either infrared or they, they inverted – it wasn't infrared. They somehow shot it and then inverted the footage, like daytime footage, so that it looked like nighttime. Yes, I did. And it's a, it's a really cool technique that had never been done, or at least on that scale. So you end up with this kind of HDR outside feeling uh, of the nighttime scenes. Do you know why? So, do you know? And this furthers my disappointment in it because there's so much of that movie that really got me and that got me amped up. I love everybody involved in that movie. Like, Kiki Palmer's keep Kiki Palmer. Like, she is going to be as great as she is and everything she That's just who she is. Uh, Danielle Kaluuya, he's. He's him. He's great. Never seen him anything I didn't like. It, it was like they almost. It was almost downplayed in this. It was very. It was very much kind of like matter of factish with him. It was almost like he was cashing a paycheck. Stephen Yun. I'm actually looking at it now. Stephen Yun, who voices Invincible and Invincible, was good, but it was like eh. And then huh. Keith, and then Keith David. I'm like. I love Keith David. He's fucking um he was he's in Gargoyle. He's the lead character in Gargoyle. It's like he's fucking Keith David. He's the president in Rick and Morty. He's done so much. Well, the so pressure many- the, the pressure though to put out films as quickly as Jordan is putting out films is immense. I yes. uh I it's and I you know, I can't tell you all of the things that go into directing a feature film. I know what go into directing the things I've done. And they pale in comparison to what he has to do for that. And I can't fathom the the pace of work that he keeps. It's a so to do things if if you're writing and you're directing and you're you're wearing all these hats, it's you know, ask M. Night Shyamalan how many films yes. you can get out before it starts to become formulaic. I you know, so he's he's got an uphill battle, but I think he's very smart he's he's done some Absolutely. revolutionary shit so i pull for every film that comes out i just haven't watched that one yet it's horror is not my my thing so anyway when you do watch it please shoot me a dm or text i will because i'm curious i'm gonna watch it um i i have thoughts so i'll just leave it at that i'm not gonna say some people have said some people are writing jordan i have some people who've written them off 
from this movie and I'm like don't write him off like he didn't uh, like I'm like every, no filmmaker like, no filmmaker you know there's not a single filmmaker out there who hasn't made a bad film yeah there everybody's got one Steven your Spielbergs your Nolans your pick them James Cameron they all they all got a flop Chris Evans is probably my favorite actor of all time and there's movies he's in that you don't like yep and there, you know, I'll put it like put it to you like this: There are movies where I've seen the preview, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm cool." Yeah, it's <laughs> look, man. Prince made bad songs. It's it's you just nobody bats a thousand. Let the and guy I'll, let the guy make a film you don't like without writing him off. Yeah, and I won't. And when he writes another movie and he puts out another movie, I will go see that movie too. Of course, and and I and I won't lie. There's also some bias in that he's a black man writing movie. He's a black man directing and writing movies. So yes, I am going to support him until he does some Kanye West shit. And at that point, then I'll write him off. But until then, yeah, go go Look, you. Just don't don't <laughs> drop don't drop two or three balls in a row, and I'll, I'll keep checking you out. It's uh, I'm not loyal to anybody. I make make shit that entertains me. I'll keep giving you chances. Yep. And uh, until then, you, uh, until you do something so horribly bad that, and I'm not talking morally, but until you do something so awful that I'm just like, you can't come back from it. Yeah, I'm in. I will. In I may not venture out and spend, you know, fifty to a hundred bucks on a on a date night, but you know, if it pops out on, <laughs> I'll rent it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell yeah. me when it's on Disney. Shit. <laughs> Ah, all right. What is your? Did you did you give your biggest disappointment of the year? I did. It was Bullet Train, and you disagreed with me. And biggest surprise? Uh, it was She Hulk for me. That was the one that that was the one that spun me around. All right. So that I think that's all we got. Did we clear the list? We ran the gauntlet. That's that's yeah. We did it all. Uh, Last thing planned for twenty twenty three. You said you had a couple of tours going on. What do you got going? What has Slade Ham got going on for twenty twenty three that we need to look out for? I'm going to spend March in Japan. I'm going to spend April in mainly Africa. I am going to come back in May. I've got, I'm going to tour pretty heavily through May and June. I know I'm in, I'm already in Colorado, Dallas and Louisville in May. Um, I'm going to add some dates to that and I'm going to take my special uh, sometime this summer. So I've been working very diligently on a new stand-up show. I took it to Canada and toured on it for two weeks uh, a month or so ago. It's, I think, some of the best stuff I've ever written. Um, It's definitely the most fun stuff I've ever performed. I'm enjoying a lot of it immensely. Uh, It's some ideas that I worked out on um, a podcast I'm doing now called The Slade Ham Experiment, which is as absolutely self-indulgent as it sounds, but it's a bit of a writer's room for me in that it's hitting open mics is difficult around town because you can do five minutes here or there. And I'm trying to think of things in longer form just to kind of flesh them out. So I close the circuit on every episode. If I bring something up, I certainly, you know, get to the end of the thought, but it's uh, it's me working out a lot of these new ideas in some ways. And it's some of the stuff that I've been bringing to the stage and I'm just, I'm really having a lot of fun uh, working on it. I've got, uh, I'm also deeply into this new book, and I'm I'm pseudo committed to finishing it next year. But I think the special is going to take precedence. So, first half of the year, a lot of travel, focus on the special. Second half of the year, hopefully, 
uh, worried about releasing the special and then finishing writing the book. And I think that's all I'm going to really do next year. So make sure you check out the Slade Ham Experiment. It's on, I, I kind of go uh, Spotify just because I'm. It's, yeah, it's everywhere, wherever you get it. I'll make it easy. Uh, you're not really a big social media person, um, but you do happen to pop up on Instagram, which is, I think, the best place to follow you because it's more. You're, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm on everything. So it's a, it's a, I've, I've taken a back, I've taken a step back. I don't visit them frequently, but I'm on YouTube all the time. I do. If I have something to say, I'll put it on Instagram. Uh, occasionally I'll snarky tweet somebody late <laughs> at night and Facebook, you know, it's, I, I pop on it to see my mom and my, my nephews and my nieces and my, you know, I got family that I try to keep up on. So I'm just sort of, I don't say anything, but I, I take stuff in from people that matter. So if you want to find me on any of them, it's all at Slade Ham. And uh, YouTube for sure gets a lot of uh, traction. I, I respond to everything. Uh, do you still, do, are you still with the the Whiskey Brothers Hotline? Is that still a thing? Oh, yeah. You can uh, you can always drunk dial. Uh, if there's anything hold you want to say. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. See if I can remember. See if I can remember. Uh, 713? No, 323. Oh, 323-510-SHOT. There it is. Three two three five one oh seven four six eight. Uh I was laughing. That's also the number I give to uh delivery drivers because ultimately it will ring to my phone if I have it turned on. So it uh I'll give it to delivery drivers. And the other day I had a pizza show up and the guy was giggling. He was like, Man, that voicemail, man, that voicemail is hilarious. Because <laughs> it's just me going, Hey, you're probably hammered. Do your worst. Beep. <laughs> So, and just so you know, like if you're not a dickhead, like text, just text, because I've texted a couple of times and I've ended up on the show, like watching. If, it's my... all, if if I have it on my phone, it comes right to my phone, and I'll text back. It's a uh, I don't always leave it, leave it turned on, but uh, when it's on, yeah, you you can very easily catch yourself in a back and forth. <laughs> uh, if you have Apple Music or you have access to a free streaming platform, just type in Slate Ham. There's only one. Um, three legged unicorn, three legged unicorn redemption. Uh, apparently, I didn't know this was a thing live with the Whiskey Brothers. Um, but also the newest 2020. Uh, I want this to feel weird. So, the, yeah, there's a there's some caveats to those last two. So, uh, live with the Whiskey Brothers is the yeah, that's the audio version of the uh, Whiskey Brothers special, which is at least on Amazon my portion. Prime. Of it. Yes. So Dev, if you're going to if you're going to take that in, go just watch it on Prime because uh, we do a very cool ending on there. And then the uh, the other one, uh, I want this to feel weird. I there was a point in 2020 where I was scheduled to do a show in June and I was it, the, the pandemic had just happened. Everything had been closed for about three months and I wasn't comfortable inviting my fans out to the show at that point and i was just gonna do hey let's let's get together and i'll just see if i remember all my old shit and when we canceled that show we rescheduled it for september and i started to feel increasingly more guilty about going up and just doing my old stuff so i committed to i go i'm going to write a brand new show that i've never done before at all and then I'm going to go up live and I'm going to do the whole hour without ever having practiced it once. I'm just going to go. So what you see, I ended up doing 87 minutes that night 
uh, we shot, I chopped, I think, you know, I had to edit it down to a reasonable something or another, but it's basically 50 minutes of comedy now. And it's all stuff I'm doing for the first time. So it's, it's not Rocky up front. I, I never, I'm never losing them, but it's, I take some chances. I don't think I'd normally take and they, they smack me in places, but I really beat them in places. It's a lot of fun to listen to if you know that I'm doing all of it for the first time and I have no fucking idea where I'm going the entire time. It's a lot more fun than if you listen to it going, man, this guy sat down and put everything together and spent 10 years working and this is what he, you know, it's it's a little different than that. So I always add that caveat, but I also don't care because I think some of the stories are really fun and stand on their own. And uh, I, th- I think I may even do that Kaepernick joke on that album. So you do. Um, I didn't. I didn't say anything about it because, and this is gonna be split up into two ep- two different episodes. But when you talked about it, because the last episode you were on, I didn't know you had a special. So after we got off recording, I went back and listened to it. I'm like, oh, this is fun, and I appreciate a performer who can understand what they're doing and just have a good time. And the one thing I will say about every one of your standups is you seem to be having a good fucking time whenever you're doing it. It's what got me into this. I enjoy being silly. I enjoy poking fun. I enjoy writing jokes. I enjoy creating tension in a mischievous, puckish kind of way. And then I enjoy breaking it because I like laughing. It's what I've always done when I was getting beat up in middle school, when my parents were getting divorced, when I was fighting with my stepdad. I've always gone to words as ways to disarm people and it always makes them matter. It always gets me beat up. And I've learned to, you know, steer that car now in ways that I didn't know how to control it when I was a kid. But it's at my core, all I know how to do. So no matter whether it's something I'm working on, which is, you know, something I'll put out like I will this summer, or it's something like I put out in 2020 that's just kind of a, look, I just want you to see me now. This is a snapshot in time. And if I don't capture this, that material is never going to go anywhere else, right? I'm never going to, I may cannibalize a piece of it like that American flag. I may, that may end up in this new show, but for the most part, that's just lost to time, right? Tears in the rain, man. So if I don't record it and put it out, I lose it forever. And I think it's important to know what I was finding funny in that time, whether I developed it into something perfect or not. I think it's it was very it was very important that I put it out. Um, I also want to uh, I also want to make sure that I got it right because I want to make sure I got the title right. You also have a book out called "Until All the Dragons Are Dead," which is the first time we actually recorded together. Um, mm-hmm. I read it. I lent it to a buddy of mine who read it in a day and was like, "It's one of the easiest read reads he's ever had," and it was fun. He was just like, "I went in there, I sat down, I read it, I enjoyed myself." He said he he um he attributed he kind of said it was like having a really good dinner. Yeah. Like he read it, he enjoyed it, he put it down, was like, I'm full and I'm happy that I read this. And so until all the dragons are dead, you can definitely check it out on Amazon. Uh is it available digitally or is it just the, Yeah, uh, no, you can uh you can absolutely get it on Kindle or uh or paperback. So yeah. They, they make it all the ways. If you want one signed, you can order it through the website, uh, my website. It, uh, it, I don't know what it costs on Amazon, but, you know, whatever books cost. 
what is your um just so you know because i'm actually on the mailing list but just so people know it's a free thing and it's like you're you're not one of those people who like spam you with like something every day what is oh it no 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 uh if you go to sladeham.com i think you might even if you sign up for the web for my uh, mailing list there might even be a free kendall version you get uh i could be lying about that but i think that's still uh in play but the no my mailing list is i we're so overwhelmed with noise it is i the last thing i want to be is another unnecessary beep in your pocket uh i send a, a brief thing every other week and it i i try to write from the heart and it's it's a lot of things i've learned along the way and uh usually just some some helpful guidance and hopefully a positive thing in your inbox and uh my dates are on there if you if you see something near you you're uh, free to come visit but uh, no, it's uh, I think mainly a positive thing and hopefully something that's not more noise in an already noisy world. So I think you'll dig it. Definitely not that you are definitely not a um, noisy person in a like you said in the insanely noisy world. Uh, Slade Ham on all things social. Uh, the Slade Ham experiment. Uh, the Whiskey Brothers. Um, is this thing on? Is another one which is also super fun where it highlights a lot of. Uh, up and coming comedians. One of my favorite, Abby Volman, who is seemingly like picking up like a ton of momentum over the last few, the last few months. Um, um. So like, there's just a lot going on with what you do, and you are one of the better mentors and actually professionals out there. So make sure that you haven't listened. Make sure you just type in Slate him. You'll find it. And before I go, here's a question for you, and we'll end it at this. Death match, Wade Wilson versus Jason Todd. Who wins? <laughs> Come on, man. How am I ever going to vote against Wade? You can't vote against <laughs> Wade. You can't kill him. He's going to win regardless. You, the... you, you got me there. And it's funny. I was this close to putting on my um my Jason Todd. <laughs> because I've always told people, I'm like, Jason Todd is just Wade Wilson with restraint and boundaries <laughs> <laughs> exactly man he's not willing to go he's not willing to be as crazy as Wade is as a you'll lose every time every fucking time is the sad part about it uh before i go just make sure you find me i am on old man wade com on everything that you look for tiktok instagram and twitter i'm old man wade com and if you're looking for random comic book stuff you can also find me on a pay on a site i get paid for uh fans of marvel underscore and underscore dc that's where i do a lot of my quizzes that's where i do a lot of my questions and things of that nature you can find me there and as always be excellent to each other. Peace. Damn it, Wade!